changing, but there's one thing that always stays the same. And welcome to this supplemental reading of F9 The Fast Saga, directed by Justin Lin. My name is John. And my name for the first time in person and over a year is Henry. Yes, we are podcasting in person. The Zero Credit Supplemental Reading Series, if you haven't listened to one of these before, is an episode where we talk about something we consider to be important or fast in its entirety. (laughs) Assuming that you have seen it, uh, since this is a new release movie, uh, we recommend that you go see F9 The Fast Saga, depending on your level of comfort, and then come back... You can also just mute the podcast and listen to its entirety. I don't know if that like helps our metrics or whatever. But there will be spoilers for this movie. That's right, John. For the first time, kinda in years, we are doing a supplemental reading on a movie that came out literally, literally last week. And so not everyone has had a chance to see it. So I highly recommend, if you are vaccinated... Or are just comfortable with going into a theater, de- non-dependent on your vaccination status. Uh, we're going to have some words. But after that, go to a theater, return to Once We Came, see that F9, The Fast Saga, directed by Justin Lin in the theaters, and then come back and listen to this podcast. This podcast is... The first one we have done in almost three years of a mainline Fast and Furious series entrant. It is the first one in over a year and a half of any Fast and Furious movie, because we know, of course, Hobbs and Shaw came out pre-demic, slightly pre-demic, a few months, like the end of 2019, maybe, was when Hobbs and Shaw... I don't remember. It's been a while, and it has been a while since we've been in person. That's right. So we may step on our toes. We may speak at the same time as each other. We may... We're supposed to be making eye contact, but it's real awkward because I haven't seen this man's face in over a year. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We are strangers to ourselves and to others. Uh, One thing we are not strangers to, however, is a little tradition we have here on the Zero Credits Fast and Furious Supplemental Reading Series, and that is the agreement. Capital T, capital A, an agreement as old as time, eldritch in its very nature. For those of you who are new to the Supplemental Reading Series of Fast and Furious movies, John and I, during the summer of Fast and Furious that happened in 2016... What, the Summer Fast and Furious was in 2018? 18. We decided to take upon ourselves the challenge. We would drink these movies Corona for Corona. And uh, we have, we've upheld, we've drank in over 68 Coronas <laughs> between us. Yes, we have, we have consumed many Coronas in a feat many people, when looking at the film franchise, would consider inadvisable or impossible. But we have matched it. That's right, and so, we're going to get to brass tacks right away. This movie, F9 The Fast Saga, has, in in its entirety of its runtime, two bottles of Corona with drink in them, and one scene with two empties in the background of that same scene. Mm -hmm. We only drink the ones with liquid in them. And then a gigantic scene with, no lie, center stage, the largest bucket of Corona you've ever seen. And so we're going to enact the clause that for giant buckets of Corona, instead of matching the bottle to bottle, 
we will be drinking 40s of Corona Familiar instead yes. to blanket cast that scene. But to start out with for this episode, uh, we bo- John and I both have to drink one Corona. Now, do you want to do you want to give the listeners the bad news, or shall I? Uh, the bad news is that apparently, and uh, I don't know if this is in correlation with F nine coming out, or if because it's Fourth of July week, but there was a run on com- on Corona Familiar, so very very unfortunately, we are drinking Corona Light. Yes, we are drinking Corona Light. Uh, that is a beer that I just tasted. <laughs> I certainly did. Uh, just taste Corona Light. I went to two gas stations and an HEB shout out to Texas. And apparently Corona Extra, which is what we are used to, the light, corny, uh, slightly bitter, but sweet Mexican lager yeah. that is enjoyed by the Fast and Familia, uh, is not in stock in any gas station or an HEB. Not even like the huge cases. I talked to someone with the HEB and they said they can't keep it in stock. And I think similar to how road accidents increase when Fast and Furious movies come out. I think, consequently, the nation's supply of Corona uh, briefly troughs. Uh, and I just want to add that, uh, I, you know, I feel like sommeliers, wine sommeliers, they, they build up and refine their palate over, over centuries of fine wine drinking and tasting. And I feel like... In a similar way, I've been building building this this taste profile of craft beer for myself, and I literally just tasted it all wash <laughs> right off my tongue. All uh, the refinement has been debrided from your mouth and your mind. If I could describe the taste of Corona Light, uh, it's been a long time since I I had a Corona. I think by the end of our of our supplement reading series of the eight films, we had developed kind of a taste for Corona and, and would enjoy it and order it infrequently. However, this is a, it's like, it's very watery. It's a light beer. That's to be expected. It's corny, but very sweet in a pretty unpleasant way. It doesn't have like the fun, tickly hops finish of your typical Corona Extra. It's not an enjoyable beer. It's like every sip is raising my body temperature by a degree. It's uh, it's not great, and for that reason I will endeavor to finish mine as, as quickly as possible <laughs> so we can move on to the Corona Familiar, which is uh, the serious contender of the episode. Yeah, and we have to finish it before the episode is over. To that end, John is chugging his light. I will be sipping it. Not um, chugging, just drinking. Is there a salt it? taste, or is that just... There's like a little lime salt taste, but not in a pleasant way. Oh, man. All right. That's let's... like a saline taste. It is. Let's forego this talk of why we're talking and drinking at the same time. We don't know how our bodies work anymore. Let's forego this talk up top. They've waited long enough, John. They've yes. waited a year more plus this film was delayed this film was literally going to come out in 20 what years 2020 it was literally going to come out in march mm-hmm. of 2020 and got delayed to the fall and then outright delayed just to a nebulous 2021 and finally we're here crossing the finish line sitting down to find out the nine, not the fate. <laughs> yes, not the fate. The finine. The finine of our fast and familia. 
Now, what happens next? Not counting the uh, Hobbs and Shaw, which I like to think is a Gaiden side story. A what? Oh, like a Gaiden? Yeah. Uh, For those of you who don't know, (laughs) a a Gaiden, or hidden chapter, is is you have to do something to unlock it in a JRPG, and then usually there's a little bit of a bonus for completing it, but it's a side story. Yes, so uh, Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious, Fuku Gaiden. Uh, this is the next mainline Fast and Furious movie, and to be honest with you, we saw this in theaters. Now, for those of you who don't know, a theater... Okay, that joke has run its course. <laughs> uh, this, we saw this in theaters, so we weren't able to take the same meticulous notes uh, that we typically do. Uh, right. Now, one thing that we don't tend to do on these Fast and Furious supplementaries is kind of go beat by beat through the plot, because there's too much right. to talk about. Yeah, we're not going to do the beat by de- beat. You saw the movie. You know the beats. We're going to break this down into broad strokes. Talk about elements of the film that worked well. And maybe elements of the film that could use more work. And by the end of it, we're going to render a final judgment of where this movie falls on the canonic list of Fast and Furious movies from best to worst. (laughs) Unfortunately, we will stick... With best stories, I don't know. We'll talk about that. It's a it's a ways off, but this movie, uh, it was a, a strange viewing experience. One of the first few movies I've been back to theaters to see. I, I see a lot of movies, so it's within a group of like five or six. Uh, and I'm like getting a headache from drinking this. Don't worry, you'll be done soon. Uh, don't you feel like a part of the familia? Oh, I feel like my blood is rushing <laughs> to my head. You are getting quite red uh, now. This movie, tonally, immediately, I don't know what it is, I've spent a lot of time invested in these movies and their lore, but once this movie started, I just felt so good just about it. This movie, by the way, totally... hold on. Yes. This movie starts out with a flashback to Dominic Toretto's father (laughs) dying in a race car. (laughs) I just felt so at home, so part of the family. No, I forgot that... That's how it opened. We need to talk about that. So here's the thing. This movie does something that no other Fast and Furious movie has done thus far. And that interwoven throughout the entire movie, separating uh, set piece after set piece, is this flashback to the past. Dominic Toretto's young self watching his father die on the racetrack. And the fallout from that that kind of put him on the path to become the man he is today. Yeah, this is the first Fast and Furious movie with an aggressive flashback all the way to 1989 uh, with a young Dominic Toretto, his father, who we've never seen before, a Frank Toretto, and uh, a seemingly pit crew member named Jacob, who, of course, we then... Uh, summarily learn is in fact Dom's brother. Yes. Uh, one thing I would really like to call out about this scene that I deeply appreciated is uh, both young Dom and young Jacob are in no way deep fakes of their older actors. We, I think we're operating now in a... We're operating now within movies that deep fakes are a weird, touchy subject because I think... The Fast and Furious movies are home to one of the most egregious deepfakes, kind of, in movie yeah. history. 
Uh, so I, I really Those appreciate CGI cars and, and fast forward. They deep fake that Mitsubishi Eclipse, and I can't stand it. No, yeah, and fast forward or fast and furious. There was a car chase through a tunnel in Mexico with fake cars, and it, yes. it was the worst, egregious that, thing. The fourth one had the most CGI cars, and this one also has some pretty bad CGI cars. We'll talk about it. But the actors right. who play both young Jacob, uh, young Vin Diesel, and young John Cena, whoa, uh, not at all like deep fakes of their older selves. I really appreciate that a movie doesn't treat you like an idiot and spend the, I don't know, $250,000 needed to invest in the people to build deep fakes of young John Cena to be like, you're not an idiot. If we tell you this is young Dominic Toretto, you'll just believe us because yeah. that's how fucking movies work. But, but also, yeah, people change. People grow. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they switch ethnicities. Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? Uh, ethnicities, by the way. I don't know that we're going to have much space to talk about this. Uh, I appreciate that this movie does talk about the... Highly ambiguous uh, oh, ethnicity right. of the Toretto family because what family can have Vin Diesel, John Cena, and Jordana Brewster all within like one degree of separation? Yeah. You have from Mia, each other. yeah. You have Mia and Dominic, mm -hmm. and then you add a Jacob, Jacob with a K, with a K. Okay, but there's also a. Cypher, who's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Cypher is definitely in this movie. Has a line, apropos of nothing, that Nordic chin. Well, I guess the, the Toretto's do like to mix their bloodlines. <laughs> uh, interesting. I guess what that means, since they're all within one generation of each other, Frank Toretto just kind of got around a lot and then yeah. kept the children. Kept, yeah, he kept the children. The moms were never in the picture. Yeah, the moms were definitely never in the picture. And that's a, that's a, you know, that's not usually how it goes, but no. I can appreciate a, 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 a dad boss. Uh, however, there is also a line where Helen Mirren, bless her soul, <laughs> uh, uh, as Queenie Shaw, Magdalene, Magdalena, she had like a first name at some point, uh, says that she saw a, saw a similarity in the faces of John Cena and Vin Diesel. I'm like, you didn't. You saw a yeah. similarity in like the deltoids maybe, but there's nothing <laughs> similar going on face-wise between these two men. Like with any movie that involves siblings, suddenly the world is one aware that there are <laughs> siblings and two not making the connection but saying like, "Huh. Come to think of it, he looked kind of like you." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really amazing. I I think that the the reveal of Dominic Toretto's brother is one of the most uh, wrestling things the Fast and Furious universe has done. It's very... Right. This movie... Uh, say what you will about this movie, and we will. Very wrestling. This movie has a lot of wrestling going on. You just mean like in the plot lines yes. and in the stories and the calling out of each other, the facing down. Yeah. And then eventually the cage match. That, <laughs> yes, eventually the cage match. And then the RKO out of nowhere. RKO out of nowhere. The, the Vince McMahon coming up and being a weird goblin character right. <laughs> for no reason. But let's pause and slow down just a little bit. Uh, because you were saying that from the moment this movie started... You felt at home. Yes. But you forgot about the flashback scene. <laughs> I did. So what scene... You're talking about then the Vin Diesel... Sorry. Dominic Toretto and Letty... What's her last name? 
I don't know. Ortega. Ortega. I know it started with an O. I'm Is it? Sure. That can't be right. Dominic and Letty are out in the countryside. Is that the scene that made you feel right at home? No. What made me feel right at home, hear me <laughs> From out. the moment this movie started, <laughs> discounting the first two scenes. Let me be clear. The moment this movie started, which is the title card. <laughs> because I appreciate that going into this, we weren't clear on the title of this movie. They made it clear it was F9, the Fast Saga. But the the title card, there was like a zoom car passed and an F turned around into a 9 and I was there. I appreciate... How did I miss this? Did you not see the... I may or may not have been two hours and 30 minutes into this movie thinking, they never did a title card! They definitely did a title card. Oh, well... Okay. It might have actually been significantly later in the movie than I'm remembering. However, I did really like the uh, the Letty Dom scene on the farm. I I like that this is the first time we get a look at these characters and we see what their lives, what the rational extension of their lives is if they are like multinational criminals and right. saviors right. and uh the deadliest people right. on earth. They no. have to live like that. No, absolutely. Because uh, I like this little taste of what their life would be like. Because in all of these movies, inevitably, they end up kind of like having the conversation. Like, we're fighting for the life we want to have. Yes. And now we're finally, after fate, after finding out he has a son and losing the mother of his child to a psychopath and betraying his team for the safety of that son... After all that, we finally get to see what life would be like, and it's not one of peace. Yeah, it is one of... I think there's no way they could escape the life they had and live totally peacefully. Because they seem to live uh, this, like, pastoral... Uh, literally pastoral, they live on a farm. Uh, but they, they live this idyllic life. However, the second anything enters into it that has... Uh, that is uncertain to them. It's immediately shotguns, guns, hiding right. their child yeah, underground. Pull, pulling a god of war and telling your son to, to go to the hiding spot underneath in, in like the, uh, the basement area. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe the year slash summer of dads is over. Uh, the dads with pasts. Uh, however, I think that the, oh, the, the Dom Letty scene, incredible. Because it, it truly instills in you that these characters cannot escape and have not escaped. Even when uh, it's revealed that the people who were coming to their uh, farm were in fact Tej and Roman and Ramsey and maybe somebody else. No, those three. Okay, those three. Uh, yeah. that, that they were, you know, being there as friends and to live to deliver this news about Mr. Nobody. Now, th- what's interesting about this movie... We start out with a flashback in 1989, so the action of the movie is already... We're already distant from it. Yes. And to make up that time, we get a minute or less with Dom talking to his son about like how to repair a tractor, passing on that mechanic knowledge that is so deeply embedded in the Toretto name, and then, boom, plot is starting. Yes. I, I maybe have a... I'm interested to hear your take on the Corona Familiar after trying the Corona Light. It is a... Oh, it's um, miles better. It's so much better. Also, a different beer than what you find in the typical Corona bottles. Right. No, it, it's... uh, Yeah. 
It doesn't really taste like Corona. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like maltier, more cereal yeah. darker. But also, it comes in these dark bottles, so you know the sun hasn't scumped it all up. It is uh, refreshing, to say the least. The impetus of this plot... I've got a lot to say about this movie, but I don't think anything that I have to say about it's... Can I say something about this movie that I hope that our listeners will agree with? Okay. You know... The worst part of these movies now is Mr. Nobody. Yeah, to to a large degree, because they're not utilizing him correctly. And, and, and it's because they're... For all of the great things these movies do, one of the tropes that keeps, in my opinion, weakening it is that every villain eventually becomes to become part of the team. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Nobody, if you remember, started out coercing the team yes. and forcing them to work for him. Mm-hmm. And now, apropos of scenes where they join his side and agree that they're part of the team. It was in what? Fate, right? Right. So in Fate, Mr. Nobody was just assumed that people would begrudgingly accept what he has to say, right? right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Fate is when they bring in Shaw and everyone's like, I'm not, we're not yeah. working with him. Fate or did a lot so. of heavy lifting between those yeah. two characters. And, and so, like, yeah, Tej and Roman and Ramsey do the trouble of tracking down Dominic t- and and Letty to deliver a message that Mr. Nobody needs help. And, and kind of my thinking, my response to that is, well, who the fuck cares? Yeah. I mean, Dom largely has the reaction of like, I have my life. I'm not going to, I'm not going to run out into the middle of nowhere to try to help a national security weirdo who hasn't necessarily done good things for us. And I think that Mr. Nobody's a really weak character because you never want to introduce a character into a story that they can just do or be anywhere and do anything. And that sucks. Do anything, including apprehending the last movie's villain when his best team could not. Yes. And he apprehended her off screen. Yes. How? It's, uh... His best team, the team he goes to time and time again, who is now, like, worried about him, Mm -hmm. they failed. Yes. How did he succeed without them? I think we should also note that this movie is uh, the first, not necessarily the first, I don't know, but the at least the first that we've noticed... Fast and Furious movies that do not have a screenplay by one Chris Morgan. Right. Uh, this screenplay is by Justin Lin. And I think, uh, other than one other exception, Mr. Nobody is largely written out of this movie, which I really appreciate. Right. I like a Mr. Nobody in distress, which gets people out there. However, Mr. Nobody comes back for a thing that I actually want to have a whole conversation about later. Okay. Uh, but yes, I, I think that writing him out of the movie largely was a great move, bringing him back for this one thing in which he could do anything and kind of, uh, cheap out on a thing we've all been wanting for a really long time. What a bummer. Uh, what, what a bummer that Mr. Nobody was there for that. Uh, but I don't know. What was he there for? The Han thing. Oh, we'll get to that later. Yes. I do want to bring up at this point, cause in my head right now we're in that jungle scene. Uh, you're gonna go, okay, level with me. This is a hypothetical. We're making eye contact for yeah. the first time in 16 months. Alright, we are... Your eyes are very bloodshot. I'm kidding, mine are. 
They're I've not. had a crazy tension headache all they're that, not. though. They're not? No. Thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> okay, so hypothetical, join me. We are a part of a very successful car team uh-huh. that pulls covert ops uh-huh. across the nation. Uh-huh. We're going to head into the jungle. Yes. Of a country whose military shoots anyone on sight. A completely made-up South American country called Monte Quinto. Right. And at which this... looks like where they would film a Jurassic Park movie. Exactly. And at this point, any car we bring is going to be automatically bulletproof because we know there's going to be bullets. Yes. In fact, we're not bringing just a car. We're bringing an American muscle car... A jeep and a literal, like, heavy artillery kind of tank-looking thing. A bear cat. A bear cat. Yes. Why on earth would anyone ever choose, knowing what we know as car team, and these are the other vehicles my team is bringing, mm-hmm. why would you choose to bring a motorcycle? Yes. Very interesting choice. Uh That was Letty's, right? Letty, Letty was on a motorcycle. And I, I just... I don't know if we've seen Letty on a motorcycle before. Motorcycles, by and large, have not been in these movies. I mean, if we're counting Hobbs and Shaw, motorcycles tend to be deadly things. Wasn't the first group of, uh, am I totally crazy for thinking that one of the groups of, uh, semi-truck robbers in the first movie had motorcycles? Uh, they might have. I don't know. I remember that it was Honda Civics. Mm. That's where our team... Yes. They were doing souped-up Honda Civics. That's where the movies started. Where'd Hattie Shaw go? Hattie Shaw had a motorcycle. Who's Hattie? Oh, the... The deck... The Shaw sister, Vanessa right? Kirby. Yes. She had a motorcycle. All right. Once again, villain... <laughs> So, so Letty heard of this Shaw sister. Letty was like, Hattie, Letty. I Hattie guess, is like a white version of Letty. I guess I have to be on a motorcycle now. I just thought the choice. Oh, to absolutely. bring a motorcycle to your, this op where, like, if we are spotted, they will start shooting. Yes. For no reason. Yeah. So you, I'm going to forgo the bulletproofness yes. and just be, if I weave quick enough. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to dodge the bolts. I just... This is what it is. I can explain her choice. I have it in my head now. Okay. Letty is an adrenaline junkie, and they have been living in the peaceful countryside for far too long. Oh, for, Letty is the first one on board for the Mr. No Right. Movie. But also, you have to account for the Tedge Roman in, invincibility clause... That's part of this movie. Okay. Uh, but I also think that uh, at this point, Letty has died. Letty is... Oh, Letty. yeah. This You're is right. what she we're canonically seeing. died. What we're seeing is Letty the White. Letty has come back. That motorcycle is her shadow fax. She is, in rare form, an awakened wizard compared to everyone else. However... She was near death. Yes. But everyone was led to believe... That she died. And then her memories died and then were awoken by an anime fight between Vin Diesel and Jason Statham in a parking garage. It's true. These are facts. These are canonical facts of the series. Unfortunately, these are facts. The... The Roman Tedge Invincibility Clause thing... I'll preface this with I like it. I, I mean, I, it felt like the characters were, were 
within a hair's breadth of becoming self-aware. Yes. Um, in fact, even like Cypher has a few moments where she's a hair's breadth away of becoming self-aware. Mm-hmm. And honestly, going meta would be a neat, an interesting thing. I, I think I would be the only one in the audience enjoying it, though. I think it highlights a big problem I have with these more recent Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only character with any motivation that the audience is tracking is Dominic Toretto. Yes. All of his side characters, all of his his team, his familia that are supposed to be so important, they're violating the cardinal rule of, of writing in that every character on the page should want something, even if it's, as, if it's as simple as a glass of water. I mean, they all want something. It just happens to be the exact same thing that Dominic Toretto wants all the right. time. Right. There's yeah. nothing rubbing against the main conflict. Like... Mm. It would be very interesting to see a Roman Pierce who is actually dealing with mortality mm-hmm. or something like that. And by the end of the movie, when it, when he's the one who's like, "Hey, we got to take the satellite down," and he makes he makes the same decision to ram it with their space car, I feel like the payoff is is a little sweeter mm-hmm. when before maybe he's been more like cowardly, yeah, or like dealing with the fact like I almost fucking got whacked in the jungle by 14 guys i mean i think you could make the argument that uh that roman's eventual turn to running into the satellite is a bit of growth because for some reason over the last few movies they've turned roman into a coward which is why he has the bear cat which is why he always takes the safe route so this is something finally paying off but almost every movie with roman in it has him being a coward and then doing something big so it's not a lot. I don't know. I, I totally see what you're saying, though. Like, if you... Honestly, as far as all the people, Roman is a bad one to pick. Because he's kind of the okay. only one whose opinion of any current situation goes at all counter. Right. To what Dominic Toretto wants. Like, Letty, Tej, Ramsey. Everybody just wants what Dominic yeah. Toretto wants. Roman Te- is the only one that provides a little bit of friction. Tej- which is why Too Fast, Too Furious is a good movie. Te- Tej and Fury has enough... Fury? Fury. Tej and Ramsey have nothing going on. Yeah. The, my One of my biggest complaints about this movie is that Ludacris has nothing to work with. He's All he does is prank Roman. Mm-hmm. All of their scenes are set up comedically to be like the comedic moments of the movie to let out the tension. They're like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, sure. Mm-hmm. But they, like beyond the mission... Remember, they used to be in this for fucking money. Yes. They used to be in it... To get the cars and the women and, and which they had a whole thing like at and, the very end of a lot of these yeah. movies where they were living different lifestyles with all their money. And they can mature past that. Sure, I grant them that. I grant them that growth. He could be past the women and the cars, but he's gotta be in it for something. Mm-hmm. Like these people aren't fucking patriotic. They they, they don't <laughs> live in America. That that was my question with the the inciting incident of this movie, or I guess the initial incident of this movie being Mr. Nobody's plane being shot down. I was like, you guys are going out there to like protect secrets. Like there's no money on the line. Yeah. Like are all of these people extremely patriotic now? And I, I, I get it. Eventually at the end, it's like, Oh, it's the Aries system, which by the way, God's eye also gave people the ability to hack into anything remotely, so I don't understand why oh, yeah. the Aries system is a big deal. It, here's my problem with the Aries system, and this is the last time I'll talk about it. 
Because it, no one's going to like what I have to say. But they say the thing with the Ares system is that it can hack into anything with computers. Anything that deals with ones and zeros. Ones and zeros is an abstraction in computer science. A one and a zero is a presence of electrical current and a lack of presence of electrical current. So are you saying that anything that experiences intermittent electrical current for input is hackable by this thing? In which case, like, toasters are. Yeah, light switches. Anything. It's what anything you, with logic gates. What you should say, if you wanted to make something that's scary and plausible, is anything that's connected to the internet. That would be cool. Because you can't hack a toaster if it's not but connected to the internet. It's like, hey, we had this God's Eye thing, and we had you this... You could make a whole cool Internet of Things thing. Yeah. Like, if they got it, they could hack people's refrigerators. Yeah. Because they're on... They got... They got right. Whatever. Cypher dropped cars on people as weapons. Yes. That was fucking cool. Yeah. But that was using the same audience understanding of the technology and that God's Eye could, like, control Mm -hmm. things with computers in them. This new literal sphere. Literal sphere with a key. With a key. Two parts of of a sphere with a key. Um... Their explanation, they it seemed like they wanted to heighten the danger, but all it was to me was like, oh, it's a, another God's Eye. I just don't understand why. The, the headset in Fast and Furious Spy Racers mm. also it's, did the same exact thing. It does the exact thing. same thing. So Spy Racers got there first. The, the thing about this... MacGuffin to me is like if you're gonna keep raising the stakes in a Fast and Furious movie, just have someone trying to get a nuke or like a nuclear football or something. Like I don't know, it's tough when you use weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, to not make it political, right. not to be like, oh, they're gonna wipe off, wipe out the Eastern Seaboard. But you know, they could have a thing where it's like if they get access to this, they'll get access to like. The United States nuclear arsenal and could hold the world hostage or whatever. I don't know. It's it's silly to me that at this point we have to keep making boogeymen about technology when God's Eye was like the ultimate technology boogeyman, you know? And for a second, honestly, when they recovered half of the sphere and it looked... It was a dome with like little antenna on. I was like... Holy shit, that's the headset from Spy Racers. I, <laughs> Wouldn't that be incredible? For a second, I was like, oh my god, they're going to tie this bullshit into the other bullshit. And we're going to have no choice. But uh, uh, when that didn't happen, I, I breathed a sigh of relief, continued to watch the movie, and then realized the antagonist has no motivation. Yeah, I would be fascinated to understand where Otto is coming from. Now, this is a movie, to be fair... With uh, dual antagonists with different scopes. Are you really? Yeah. I guess like Otto and Cypher are kind of one antagonist. But Cypher's the ultimate antagonist. Yeah, Cypher's Uh, the Hannibal Lecter. This is the copycat killer. I never watched the movies. This is... So, Cypher is Hannibal Lecter. Otto is Red Dragon. And then Jacob is... um, Clarice. Clarice, sure. Uh, but I it, again, I don't, I don't of, know. Of the three Buffalo antagonists. Sure, yeah, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill. Absolutely. Jacob is Buffalo Bill. Jacob is Buffalo Bill. Where's people's skin? Uh, of the three antagonists, I think the only ones that are interesting is Cypher, who has a motivation, right. largely, uh, and Jacob. But Otto is just, 
It's like he's trying to get the Ares device to get his father's approval or something. Which... I guess. It's just... It's not... There's so much more work that could be done. You can lay this groundwork. One, I I say Nick's auto. I don't think you need auto. Totally unnecessary. I think... If you're going to have Cypher do everything anyway, then don't put Cypher in a cage. Well, honestly, at the meat of this movie is the relationship between Dom and his brother related to the past and the fact that Jacob has always felt like he lived in Dom's shadow. Yes. But now that he's been exiled and he's been able to build this life... He's finally able to eclipse Dom. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Yes. Don't touch that shit. I mean, in any of the trailers, it would have seemed as though that was what was going on. That was the sole antagonist of this movie. And I feel like for that reason, Otto and Cypher don't really need to be well, talked about that much. Here's what you do. Dom didn't catch Cypher. Mm-hmm. Jacob did. Oh, I see. Cut Otto out of the film. Uh-huh. Jacob working with Cypher... Because he's trying to stick it to Dom and say, look, that person you defeated a nuclear sub for, she's working with me now. Mm -hmm. And it's because I was able to get her. Yeah, like you worked for Mr. Nobody or whatever as another agent. Caught her. Perfect. Right. Cut Otto out. Otto. Let me tell you, my least favorite part of this movie is Otto and his weird smiling bodyguard guy. Let me... I'm sure... That whoever is playing his weird tattooed smiling bodyguard is a very nice and fine person. But it's I th- I really got the sensation from every wordless scene that he was in that he really uh it, like enjoyed that he was in that role. I'm like, just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I the moment I stopped liking Otto was the mansion scene with all of the women dressed in white when I realized this entire crowd is just women. That's weird yeah. and creepy and then he made the line like they're all on the payroll mm. take three take four take five and it's like the movie you've done nothing to redeem this man you have at every chance you, you've turned him into this little shit mm-hmm. and this is just like taking that little shit and rubbing it in my face to the point where, yeah I get it, it it's He's shit. Yeah. I understand. If the antagonist had solely been Otto and they really played that up, you would you would love his downfall. You really would. Uh, I don't know. It, it was dispersed around too many antagonists. Yeah. Uh, just generally so, speaking. But I did enjoy the Jacob-Dom dynamic. And honestly, again, that's, that's the heart of the movie. That's the yeah. meat of the movie. That's the reason why there's a flashback woven through this entire movie. Mm-hmm. So we understand the relationship. And that flashback, I think, is doing the full work of introducing this brother mm-hmm. nine films into this series. <laughs> yes. Like, somebody realized, we're, we're going to bring John Cena in to play Dom's brother. Mm-hmm. We need to do some legwork. Mm-hmm. We need to build some foundation. And I feel like they pulled it off in a really respectable way if you're going to go that route. Yeah. Now, should you go that route nine movies <laughs> into a series? Discussion for another time. Yeah. But for now, I applaud the movie because they pulled it off. I, I want to be clear about the, the Jacob dynamic because I think it is weird to bring in Dom's Brother Nine movies in. But I... I don't know. I, I love that Jacob brings to these movies something that we haven't seen before. So we saw in Fast 6 
We saw the inverse family. We saw the family that had every character of uh, of the crew mirrored. The Mirrorlink version. Was this Owen Shaw? Owen Shaw's crew. Right, yeah. Owen Shaw's crew was the bad familia, but they were all tied into it by money. They were all mercenaries. Right. This is the first time with Jacob Toretto, we see the Nega family. The anti-family. We, we see, and by the way, respect to uh, Justin Lin and his co-writer for the screenplay of this, I'm only able to believe that Jacob Toretto was cast out and banished, believably, for nine movies, because he was banished in the only way that I think really sticks in the Best and Furious universe, which is he lost a fair street race, and the condition was, if you lose, you keep driving and stay out of my life. Yeah. And you have to honor that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, the flashback street race brought me back to just the heart of these films. I mean, the flashback street race are amazing. There was a yeah. young Jesse, a young Vince. They cast young versions. They had a young Mia. There was a young Mia, too. They cast young versions of all the characters from the original Fast Who's and Furious. I don't remember. Oh, okay. I saw him in the credits as young Jesse. Okay. Uh, but yes, they, they absolutely nailed it. They had the butts. There was a butt yeah. scene in the past. Right. However, the butt scenes have gotten increasingly tasteful. Yeah, well, more towing the line away from just straight music video. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but even MTV had a closet for their music videos. This is a little tidbit. <laughs> I'll throw this in. We'll move away from it. MTV, for the longest time, still does to this day. If no you show if you show a butt, uh-huh. you got to show a face connected to that butt. These oh, butts are people. Man, that's how I try to live my life. Fast and Furious does not live by these rules. It absolutely does not. I think it's still at uh, five butts to four faces. Right. Uh, however, I, I, I don't know. I, I like that the rule for Jacob not being in there was the one thing that we can really yeah, follow. Yeah, no... One, you got to put in a street race, which, like, absolutely. That's what these films were about mm-hmm. all the way through six. Maybe yeah. five didn't really have one because they were. I'd say it kind of died off around five. Maybe five, but, like, throwing it back to the roots in a flashback. Mm-hmm. But then also, like, yeah, these are the stakes. These are the rules Toretto's mm-hmm. live and die by. Yes. And, and so, yeah, he lost that fight. And, and honestly, fight lost that race and honestly lost it in a manner that we're used to seeing he nosed too early he not and even young dominic toretto comments on it he says too early bro. straight out of prison and he <laughs> so already knows he already knows it's it's written into the toretto dna yeah even if you're pulling a soda can tab right. out of the turbocharger of a boat engine, you know that you have to do that last. You do it last. Never Always. be the first to nos. Uh Which is great. I appreciated that kind of meta nod. It might. It might. Meta nos. Meta nos. Uh, however, I do. I appreciated Jacob's anti family, like the meeting that they had at Otto's weird mansion, where they were like tensely discussing their past. It struck me that we've never had an interaction in Fast and Furious where two, like, blood family members were at so disparate ends of the same conflict. It was really, I don't know, in any movie, I think that this would be pretty rote, but for a movie series that so strongly ties itself to family identity, that was cool. Right. Yeah, I I mean... 
No, I got nothing to build off of. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, one, uh, so I do want to talk about. Uh, we can. Not yet. We can. We can do it later. I just. I know I'm going to tear it from mm. limb to limb when we get to it. Okay, we can save it for later. We can live in a positive space. I don't know if I have much more positive to say. Really? Here's my positive. Here's my positive takes. And this ties into a theory I have about these movies. I don't know what it is. Uh-huh. These movies ostensibly tap into some inner child for every moviegoer. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sitting in the theater. Everything that happens, they're cheering for the movie. Yes. It is exciting. It is great. And supporting that, these little endorphin bombs are going off every time I see a, a familiar face in these movies. Yes. And... and this movie is chock full of familiar faces. Mm-hmm. Sean Boswell. Yeah. The I, idiot savant of Tokyo. Okay, let's let's set everything aside and for a moment appreciate that Tej and Roman hated that this was like a side story. I know. This but should have been the main story. Tej and Roman go to Germany. They see Sean Boswell, Shad Moss, a.k.a. Little Bow Wow, a.k.a. Bow Wow. A.k.a. Twinkie. And Jeremy Tobin, Earl slash Better Look Tomorrow guy. Yeah. Incre- no movie except Fast 4 and then 5 had such a strong connection to Tokyo Drift. Incredible. Sean Boswell came back. He's a thin, normal man now. With an even more southern accent. Yeah. The, the it accent got worse. The accent has gotten worse. His hairline has receded further. He's no longer a high school student. Thank God. Yes. Uh, but we have to eat a little bit of crow. Oh? I vaguely recall we used to have a segment... On each of these that we would ask, who do you want to see come back? Uh-huh. And I think I raised the question, does Little Bow Wow ever come back? Oh, I believe my response to that was no. And I agreed with you. I'm like, there's no way he comes back. Because we saw Sean Boswell come back in like seven for the brief scene he had talking to, to Vin Diesel about Jason Statham. I, I hardly remember that. So we we Jason Statham killed Han. Mm-hmm. Dom flies to Tokyo to collect yes. like the car yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and well, oh the, the the necklace too. Yes, uh, and, but this was a flashback. This was not. It was present day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was present day. At that point, yes. Sean Boswell the, had played a, a high school student at thirty five, and then ten years later, he played that same high schooler yes. at forty five. Yes. yes, it was present day, but I mean, it was still. Yeah. yeah, I guess at this point, we're just a couple years removed from Tokyo Drift. No, Tokyo Drift. We're past Tokyo Drift. No, I mean at at this point in the series, we're just a few years out from. A few years have passed since the events of Tokyo. Drift, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because the flip phones. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um. So anyway, when that happened in Fast 7, we're like, there's no way little Bow Wow, or sorry, apologies to Mr. Bow Wow, uh, Sean Moss, is that his name? Shad Moss. Apologies to Mr. Shad Moss. We we wrote you off. We thought you weren't coming back for the movie at all. And then here's the egg on our face. You came back. You're still hanging with your boy. If there were people, I would assume... 
The people I least assume would come back is, of course, Elizabeth, Cur- Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Never Kirby. coming back. She won a fucking Oscar, didn't she? Never coming back. Yeah, she won an Oscar. Uh, but the other two that I would assume would never come back for different reasons is uh, Shad or Shad Moss. Right. Uh, because he has a career outside of this. Right. But I also would assume that uh, Jeremy or Jeffrey Tobin, whatever his name is, the guy who plays Earl... I can't imagine he'd come back, not because I think that he has better things going on necessarily, but I think that people have just kind of forgotten about the character. I don't think you can put the character... I would not have assumed you could put the character of Earl in these movies and have the audience go, oh, it's Earl! No, honestly, I, I this is a come-to-Jesus moment. Who's Earl? Earl was part of Han's crew... In Tokyo Drift. Okay, because I, I recognized him as Virgil from yes. Better Luck Tomorrow. He is, he is uh, of the two people who carried over between Better Luck Tomorrow and Tokyo Drift, uh, Sung Kong slash Han Lu is the only one who retained his identity right. through the wormhole. And, and, and I knew... Jeremy Tobin, unfortunately, was changed by the wormhole and became Earl. Yeah. I knew Jeremy Tobin was in one of these... I didn't realize his name was fucking Earl. It's Earl, apparently. All right. It is Earl. Well, so yeah, it's good to see. Fascinating name to pronounce in the Japanese language. I can't even imagine. It's it's tough. L's are tough in Japanese. Yeah. But possible. Um, Because that sound just didn't happen over there. Yeah. All right. W's are tough for but yeah, so too. those three are back. We can talk about Sean Boswell, because I, I really feel like he found his, his calling. Yes. Um, turns out it was it was rockets and planes. <laughs> he was driving the wrong vehicle the whole time. He wasn't dumb. <laughs> yeah. He was just speaking the wrong language. I like to imagine, and I'd, I, I'm actually thinking of going back and rewatching all of these movies, since I think they're all on HBO Max. Uh, but... For uh, Tokyo Drift, I like to imagine that they put him in a car and Han said, I'm going to teach you how to drift. I'm going to make you the Drift King of Tokyo. And uh, he's terrible at it. Truly awful. Throughout the entire movie, seems to have some serious kind of uh, learning impediment. And then they take him outside of a car and yeah. he looks at it and he's like... Well, what if we put a, and then they realize that he is an incredible racer. Right. He just can't be in a car when it happens. Right. He's an incredible scientist. He, he implicitly understands the, the geometries and the mathematics and all. He just can't be in a car when it happens. And, and unfortunately, there's further proof to suggest that he has some type of mental block with cars because even Ramsey, who by her own admission does not drive, drives a stick shift moving truck very well. Just to give some credit to Ramsey, uh, when you're driving like a big box truck like that, there aren't the easy indications of which gear is which. You gotta go and, I don't know, if you can't find them, grind them, just do whatever. She should have more confidence because... There was no clutching. There was no yeah. hiccups and, and the shifting. Like Pretty good. She, she knew what to do. Or she just did that all in first gear. I don't know. Probably not. Well, she shifted at one point to yeah. go faster, which, as we all know, yes, that's how gears <laughs> work. Yeah. It's uh, every time you go up a gear, you just magically go faster. Uh, all right. We saw those three yes. in Germany, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Mickey Rooney was in this movie for a scene, and it was okay. Michael Rooker. <laughs> Michael 
It's <laughs> Mickey Rooney is an old man who might be dead. They're Michael a... Rooker is from Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, but Mickey Rooney and many roles in which he played a racist. Mickey Rooney's also in Marvel. He played the guy in Iron Man Two, the villain. What with the chains? <laughs> no, that's Mickey Rourke. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have you combined Michael Rooker and Mickey Rourke to make the real person Mickey Rooney? I'm going to Google a picture of Mickey Rooney while you talk, and I'm going to show you. <laughs> no, I know exactly who he is now. You've taken... It's like a multiple answers choice. Only one is left. I know oh, yeah. who Mickey Rooney the is. The villain from Iron Man 2? He's the guy from Breakfast at Tiffany's who plays the Asian landlord. Yes. I know who he is now. You I'm got s- it. You got it. You put too many M's and R's. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Okay. So now that we know who Mickey Rooney is, we can um, talk about F9 the Fast Saga. Michael Rooker mm-hmm. is in this movie. He um, plays Snarf or whatever in Guardians of the Galaxy. Zondu? <laughs> Yondu. Yondu. Who cares? Um, Dame Helen Mirren comes back to play Mama Shaw for a scene, which, look, I'm never going to complain. I, I like, it, it's like the John Wick movies. I've only seen one. But there are these movies where he interacts with a world that has already been established. Yes. And, like, people are like, oh, you're coming out of retirement. And he exchanges, like, a coin for some services at a hotel. It's an already established world, and he's bumping in the characters he knows. Yeah. I like that semblance of world building where it's like, Mama Shaw's the biggest like, yeah. crook in England. And, of course, she's got tabs on, like, all of the transactions because they all go through her. Um so I don't mind seeing these characters. I absolutely love, in the flashback, we get to see the Dominicans. Yes, the we or- see uh, yeah. Santos and whoever the other one The is. other one. Yeah. No. But we... The flashbacks are the strongest part of this movie because this is the most effort these movies make to world build ever. And the fact that this movie, say what you will about it, Establishes the necessity of Los Bandoleros. This is how Dom. This is how Dom ended up in the DR. Yeah. This is how he knew those people. This is how he got like embroiled in this sexy gas stealing operation. A sexy gas stealing operation who comes back full circle to save him from London in the and in, in the the can, the form of Cardi B. Uh, can we appreciate? For a second, the fact that Los Bandoleros, a movie written and directed by Vin Diesel, by Vin Diesel, uh, is integral yeah. to the plot of these movies. They assume you've seen Los Bandoleros, yeah. and I have no idea where it's streaming. Also, Cardi B is that her name? Lisa, the the person in the armored car. Yeah. Oh, you mean Belcalis Marlenis Almanzar? Am I wrong? Was I wrong? No, that's Cardi B. I just think her real name is really funny. Her, her real name is really cool. Yeah, it sounds like a Harry Potter spell. It really does. Notably, not in Los Bandoleros. So, <laughs> yes, uh, the 
I would like, if there are areas to to dive deeper in this franchise, it's definitely Dom's time in the Dominican Republic. Because yeah. a lot happened there. He met Cardi B, apparently. Bad Bunny is in this movie at some point. A lot of people cash their checks on Fast and Furious what? in this movie. Well, a lot of people begged to be put into the series. Helen Mirren famously begged to be put in earlier than most people. Yeah. These movies are a thing that people want... I mean... From my limited understanding, except for that stunt person who was very badly hurt, uh, these movies famously are very fun to work on. Yeah. So I can't blame people for wanting to be in them. Right. Also, just to circle back to Los Bandoleros and connect it to something we're about to talk about, uh, we saw in the Alamo Drafthouse pre-roll a, uh, a really well-put-together recap of the entire series that included Los Bandoleros as a, a pivotal moment of the series because that's when Han arrives yes. in DR yes. to star in what would eventually be Fast Five. Yes. Um, and that's just a cool moment. And I guess now we can talk about the Han in the room. Yes. And uh, this is where uh, Sung Kong? Yeah, this is where he can speak. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? We got Sung Kong. We only know a hand model in Tokyo Drift. I wanted to talk about that off air and bring him on. Yeah, I'll talk to him. Okay. I'll, I'll see. Han. Yes. So this is what this movie has going on. Going Han. As a matter of fact. Uh, so the... It's so hard to talk about because... There are two things that the Fast and Furious community, and I love this community that I've become part of over the last three years. They're a very wholesome community. Extremely wholesome. I went to uh, a couple, you went to one with me, but like a drive-in movie series at the Museum of Human Achievement in Austin that was showing the Fast and Furious movies, and people would share like heartfelt stories about their relationship to these movies uh, and what they mean to them. I think that this might be like the most wholesome a uh, group of people in long... Marvel's definitely not it. Like, no. long-running series. Marvel's yeah. bad. Marvel gets very toxic. Marvel's very toxic. These movies, however, their fan bases are not very toxic. And they've been uh, jokingly talking about two things for quite some time. Uh, one more jokingly, one less jokingly. And they both come home to roost in this movie. More jokingly is the idea that these movies would go to space. Right. Uh, which has existed in the community for a while. Which, Chris Morgan was like, we might do it one day, and then Justin Lin dunked him. Yeah, and we also participated in that with our campaign. First we go to space, then we go to hell. Yeah, we need to talk about that later, because, man, we will. do we have egg on our face. Yeah. Uh, however, the second part, and much more widespread and much less jokingly, is Justice for Han... Hashtag justice for Han. People understanding that Sung Kong is uh, an incredible talent, one of the most magnetic characters in the FQ, uh, have been wanting... Uh, justice for Han initially started with the idea that uh, we were wronged by just incorporating Deckard Shaw into the Familia, and right. we should... Right. It should, in some way, he should be punished for killing yes. Han. However, Justice for Han eventually turned into bring Han back. Uh, and bring Han back is certainly what Justin Lin did in this movie. I'm not mad. 
I'm just disappointed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I totally understand. Please elaborate. I'm on board with bringing Han back. I just thought we would bring Han back. The way we would go about it would be racing to hell to bring <laughs> Han back out from the afterlife. Yes. I'm less enthused that Han's death was a cover-up literal magic job presto changeo. Presto changeo cuz. By, <laughs> by Mr. Nobody. And that it was hand-waved to the effect that we didn't even see it fucking happen. Yes. We didn't even see it happen. Uh, it was all an illusion. And uh, we don't need to get into how it happened. Can and I give you... What? In a movie where they jump from... Uh, they, they take a car. Yes. A land-based vehicle. And they move it from one skyscraper to the next. Yes. Via the air. Yes. An absence of land. Yes. And they show us that in slow motion. Uh-huh. Why the fuck can you not show me how Han survived? Here's my quick rewrite, and it requires very little changing of the movie. Uh, and this is genuinely how I think it should have been handled, because Roman... Uh, Tedge to a lesser degree, but Roman is grilling Han on how he survived his death in Tokyo Drift. Yeah, Roman's the man of the people in that moment. Yes. Uh, however, what I thought should have happened is at some point Roman explicitly says, how did you survive being blown up in a car? And then he says, don't worry. Like, Tedge corrects him. He's like, listen, just like let him tell the story. And what I think Han should have done is talk about his life in Tokyo and finding L, his, like, sidekick now, and not mention surviving the car blowing up at all. Right. And I would like them to do what I like to call pulling a looper, and he shouldn't have explained whatsoever yeah. how he survived. It should remain yeah. a mystery, a powerful mystery. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Looper, uh, it's a time travel movie where they hand-wave time travel... Uh, it, because to think about it makes their heads hurt. Yeah, and it's not interesting to have a... The only movie that ever did thinking way too much about time travel right is Memento. No. Is it not Memento? It's Primer. Oh, Primer. You're right. Yes, it's, it's Primer. Primer. Primer is the only movie where overthinking time travel pays off. Yeah. And you have to watch that movie three times. With the flowchart. And for a movie to not worry about that, I think any movie with time travel should pull a looper and be like, hey dude, don't worry about it too much. I think not showing us Mr. Nobody being there and Han being like, blah, Yes. I feel like that's better. I like your, your way yeah. better. Cause no, Mr. Mr. Nobody is a human MacGuffin. He does whatever, right. whatever. I don't like Mr. Nobody. I don't like that. It's weak. It's a crutch. I, I very much enjoy more your version where Han's like, I'm not going to talk about that because it's honestly not relevant to what I'm all about right now, which is this girl's safety because yeah. she's in active danger. Yes. Because she's the key. And then we also get to cut the fact the the, the Dom line out. Where he gets the res revelation, she's the king. Yeah. Which is like, I wanted everyone in the room like, well, no, duh, Dom. We, we're all, we all got there. But, okay, just to, just to complain, I think making her the key is completely unnecessary. Because it if you just make, is. 
Because I don't know, uh, Anne Sawai, I think, plays Elle. She does I a great job. She's not particularly famous. I was thinking that she was famous in other markets, so they put her in the movie, and they're like, so we have to make her a central part. I think she's fine. I think as an actor, she's very good. I like her character, but I think it's totally unnecessary to make her the key. Just make it two parts. That's why you write a two-part MacGuffin into a script, because it's right. easy to keep them apart until you right. need them to be together. Uh, I, I thought that that was very silly. Uh, I, I like, I mean, I liked her physicality. Her, mm-hmm. her physical fighting acting is really great. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like another thing on top of it. And then like, oh, Han's in the movie. We will give him a motivation. But Ted... Yeah. Han, it, Han it, definitely it, has a motivation right. in this movie. And hopefully... It gets weird when it's like this motivation is that now this adult age girl who you met as a child, let's keep it platonic, please, Han. Yeah, keep it platonic. Which, Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, Lone Wolf and Cub. And honestly, if she's not in F10, I won't miss her. I want to imagine that she fills a role in F10 and becomes part of the Familia. Now, I, I don't know. We can talk about like plot semantics about the Han reveal. And yes, I don't like... I don't how, like. I it. don't like fifty percent of how they brought Han back. But weren't you psyched when Han came back? Okay, Han weren't ba- you happy to see Han back? Now, granted, not leaning against a cool car and not walking into a right. room snacking. Oh, you were. If they, those are his two s- trademarks. The first time, the first two times we see Han, he's leaning on a cool car, and then when we see him in Fast Five, he walks in and he's snacking. and He says, "Cool clubhouse, huh?" Right. They gave us him walking in and saying, "Cool clubhouse, huh?" But no cool car and no snacking. Oh. Really missed an opportunity. He did have a cool introduction behind the the lens of that sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. The fact that we see Han with like. I loved all the stuff in Tokyo, which, by the way, I was considering, since at that point we'd only had two Coronas in the movie, I was considering, oh, if that's all for Corona, I'll get two Coronas, and then I'll go to, like, 99 Ranch or whatever and buy, like, 32-ounce Hoppies, which are the beers they were drinking in Tokyo. Uh, Not too hard to find and pretty tasty, Uh, but now we're drinking Corona Familiar. Unfortunately, yeah, they had that ending scene. I say unfortunately. No, you have, you always need that ending scene. But yes. unfortunately, the ending scene started with a, a bird's eye view of just what can only be described, I think, as a blooming onion of Corona. <laughs> yes, it was uh, more Corona than we've uh, ever seen in any of these movies. More Corona than is, would be necessary for that meal. Oh, you have no idea how many Dom can put away. Oh, Dom's just knocking them back, Corona after Corona. Dom holds two Coronas in his hand and crushes them and drinks all the Corona through the broken glass. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not a huge fan of how Han came back, but I was very jazzed to see him back. I think that this movie has Fast Five vibes. Not a hundred percent, but there was enough of a current through this movie that really just made me happy to see all of these actors in the same place. Yes, absolutely. They tapped in to this 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 feeling, this moment. You're yes. in the theater. You are currently watching it. It is washing over you and you your endorphins are pumping. You're loving it. And it's tapping into your memory of Fast Five yeah. and it's making you feel those feelings. But then you step away and you think about it for a day and you realize 
there was kind of nothing underneath that feeling. The, the problem is, so I don't want to say it's a problem, but we have to admit that Justin Lin has a motive when, yeah. he, when he directs these movies. And the motive is to resurrect these movies. So after Fast and Furious, The Fast and The Furious came out, Too Fast, Too Furious, obviously the studio was headed in a weird direction. Well, yeah. Justin Lin directed Tokyo Drift. The fourth one, maybe just called Fast and Furious. Yes. And then Fast Five. Right. And as then, part of a three-picture deal. And then as part of that three-picture deal, he totally revitalized the series. He took it from a weird place that was making bad box office numbers and horrible movies and brought it into a place where it was like Fast Five was the peak, right? Yeah. At least at that time, Fast Five was the peak. And now we've had this malingering period where Justin Lin comes back and does the same thing because Fast Five ultimately being his masterpiece activated our memories of Fast and the Furious. Right. And the well the thing with Fast Five is it also had a lot of awesome stuff underneath but Fast Five didn't like, who was the villain in Fast Five? The guy who owned the slums in Brazil. Yeah. It, but like over his motivations. He wasn't a cool villain. They stole the safe. Whatever. But the heart of it was the, that the we thing. saw these people together for well, the first time. Fast Five was the first true Familia movie. And it was the first time they played with what these movies could do. Yeah. And they wrote a heist movie with Fast Five characters. Yes. Hitting all the Fast Five... Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say hitting all the Fast Five tropes. Hitting all the heist mm-hmm. tropes, but with... These characters in a way exactly. that really tickled the brain. Mm-hmm. And what this movie should have been but kind of missed was like, all right, we're going to do the spy genre. Only you can't. Yeah. Because while Mission Impossible has these over-the-top stunts and, and really spec, spec, spectacle... That's not really an adjective for that. Spectacular? Yeah. Spectacular set pieces. Um, like James Bond... Mm-hmm at least when it's really good, is more subdued and, and downplayed. And, like, if we're really talking spy movies, like uh, The Man Who Came In From The Cold, yes. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, the really great spy movies have... Your John La Carre's of the world. ...have almost no action at all. Mm-hmm. So, what this movie could have been... Let's do a Mission Impossible yes. with the Fast Five characters. Only they didn't. He didn't do that at all. Well, the problem with I think that being a spec script is that we've been trying to do a Mission Impossible movie with the Fast Five characters for the last four movies. Yeah, and you just you just keep missing the mark by a little bit. That's not to say that they're not good. And honestly, let's not try to do that. Yes. Try to make them good on their own accord. With and how you do that, I think is let's start. Let's start backing away from the final big set piece. Mm -hmm. The set pieces that are ramping up are really good, Mm -hmm. but what's really at the core of this movie is interpersonality. These relationships that we keep exploring between you know, even if it's villain and bad guy, like one of the best movies, villain wise. Was the bad crew. Yes. The one-to-one matchup, which I thought 
we had a chance we were building up to. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, Cypher's going to be the Dom. Yeah, see, then we, you, get a, you and I had, had talked about this. What if Cypher... Starts amassing a bad crew. My, my thinking was that Cypher would be the Dom or Cypher would be the Tej. Like, Cypher would be the Tech. Yeah. And then, like, get a muscle, then get, like, a... Ver- yeah. Like, so you, yeah. you could get a Jacob. Yes. Recruit a Toretto for your bad team. And now, like, and, and just keep amassing them. But I guess John Cena has, like, a no-heel clause. <laughs> I mean, in wrestling, he certainly does. Yeah, he's got, uh, like, a... I need to do a face turn in the third act or else <laughs> I walk. I, I have to be as clear as possible that I... De- it, this developed around the seventh movie. That was Deckard Shaw. Uh, these movies have started to affect me emotionally in their third act. I straight up cried at the end of Fate of the Furious where everyone protects him from the exploding submarine. Very silly. But like the, the turn at the end where the flashback, your ultimate flashback, uh, goes back in time and when Dom dies in this movie, yeah. <laughs> because he dies and comes back to life. But when he dies, he has that, long, uh, like, lucid dream where he can see the pain his brother was in because he was rigging his father's car to pay for his gambling debts. Which, by the way, if you want to lose a race, do you have to make your your son change your car so it runs lean rather than just oh, well, drive less fast? Dom would be able to tell. Oh, yeah. And then Dom could never respect him. So he wanted to, oh, he wanted to stay. He wanted the respect of his sons, but he died because he knew it was worth the risk. Kind of like Daredevil. What? Wasn't his dad like a boxer who... Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like Daredevil. It's it's just Daredevil. It's just Daredevil. Uh, But no, I, I appreciated... In the third act, when you see the pain on Jacob's face and they finally understand each other, and then he, in the third act, like, hands him the car keys and they see eye to eye, go weirdly emotional at and that. And then his son appears and he's like, are you going to come home, Dad? It's like... <laughs> I I know that they explain where his... Yeah, it's it's very silly. Uh, so there, here's where the egg on our face comes, because honestly, what a... Potential great setup for Highway to Hell. Yes. Dom surrounded no, by... at that moment, I was like, it's oh, happening. Jamie, the dream is real. My wife was nudging me, and she she even, like, broke out of those draft house cardinal rule and was like, Highway to Hell. <laughs> yeah. Because Dom, in the Samson biblical, Samson moment, yes. is ripping literally, like, the, 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 yeah. the, the pillars he, down to kill... He's destroying the world around him to protect his friends. He is making, definitively, yeah. the ultimate sacrifice. And it's like, in my head, I was doing the arithmetic. It was like that meme with that lady seeing the math, where it's like, we've got kind of a replacement Toretto for the third act, like Jacob... When he learns of Dom's death, maybe he'll do a heel, like a face turn, because mm-hmm. John Cena's a face anyway, and he'll feel fill the vacuum, and this could, and then he'll be like, "Mister Nobody has a file. We can save Dom," and uh-huh. like he pushes the file forward, and it just says like "Highway to Hell." On yeah, it, it says like file number six six yeah. six Highway to Hell. Right, yeah. and it's just like we're gonna go get him. Uh huh. All of that was in my head. It was perfect. During the flashback uh, where it should have been hitting me in the heartstrings, but all I could do was be excited for the potential of the Highway to Hell movie. 
And then that fucker had the goddamn live. I feel like Justin Lin, someone who is good at writing movies. I feel like he has to have written the version of this movie where Dom dies. I feel like the strongest version of this movie is where he makes the ultimate sacrifice and then we do not see him for the rest of the movie. We maybe never even see his corpse. Maybe he can come back in a way. But I feel like the strongest version of this movie is that Jacob realizes the error of his ways, joins the family. That's the the family we have moving into 10. At the end of 10, Dom comes back. Right. Marking the longest absence of Dom right. and Toretto we've had since uh, Fast and Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious. Right. Uh, I think that would be really interesting. And then that they, is yeah, then not they, what happened. They raced to heaven to kill God. Absolutely, at the end. The yeah. 11th movie, <laughs> Highway Fast FF11, Highway to Heaven. It right. rhymes. Um, I, I, so watching this movie and then saying the sentence out loud, they race to heaven to kill God. I now see we were completely off base from the beginning. John, these movies are hella religious. <laughs> they're, they're quite religious. <laughs> they, as a matter of fact, they are, they are staunchly rooted <laughs> in like judo Christianity. <laughs> For sure. I, one thing that I wanted to talk about in this movie, and I think that this ties nicely. Judeo? Judeo. Did I say judo Christianity? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the fighting style that Dominic Toretto uses is judo Christianity. Lots of, lots of flips. <laughs> Lots of throws, lots, lots of, of prayer, lots of turning the other cheek, yeah, lots of uh, turning up people's but cheeks. You're moving yeah. with their energy to lessen the blow. Exactly. Wait, um, no, turning the other cheek would be <laughs> direction. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. One thing that I wanted to talk about about these movies, I think Dom's ultimate sacrifice is a great place to do that. Is uh, what do you think of the character of Dominic Toretto in this movie? Because I feel like he's a little off. We got. I don't know that I'd say off. We got every character. So between Fate of the Furious and F9 the Fast Saga, all of the characters who survived Fate of the Furious returned. However, I don't think Dominic... The Dominic Toretto we got after Fate of the Furious is not the Dominic Toretto we ended Fate of the Furious on. Or maybe it is. The Dominic Toretto who has had the mother of his child killed... Who has been disillusioned of everything. I think the Dominic Toretto we get in this movie is like a golem. He's this sad, laborious, reticent, highly skilled, very deadly, impossibly uh, invulnerable, strong man. But right. I think the version of Dominic Toretto in this movie is the first time, maybe since The Fast and The Furious, that we get a dark, determined, interior introspective, like, interior-motivated version of yeah. Dom. What? We, we get a Kratos in God of War. Not the first God of War, but, like, the, the new one. Yeah. Well, okay. I, him losing the mother of his child in front of him and him being helpless. Yes. And for the rest of that movie, just going blindly along with Cypher until eventually he can... Get one up on her just at the very end in the Arctic with the submarine. I think he's never forgiven himself for yeah. not being able to sell, save Elsa Pataki. 
And I think more than anything, he is motivated by not losing anyone else. I mean, at the at the end of Fate of the Furious, even through the Arctic with the Serpent, he says very little. There's no indication that he has like a, a witty repartee with anyone to indicate that he's back to his old self. And even at the final dinner, he has a couple questions for Deckard Shaw. He says Grace, and he says the name of his child is Brian. Right. But other than that, we don't see Dominic Toretto is is back. He's he's, he's not smiling. The only, the most joy we see from him in this movie is when he says that Brian can say Grace because that's like some return to normalcy for him. But that's stripped of him. But he we only really see he interacts with Brian, mm-hmm. and then it's mission, mission, mission. Yeah, Jacob's back. Like, he throws himself into the, the current action. I think he throws himself 100% into raising, raising Brian Wright. But mm-hmm. other than that, I think he's he's kind of dead on the inside because yeah. he's never forgiven himself for not being able to protect his family. Yeah. His literal family, the mother of his child. And maybe that's something we explore going further. Uh, odds are no. Yeah, certainly not. I would be fascinated to know if this movie is written deftly enough that they accounted for yeah. the trauma Dominic Toretto has experienced. Because or even he if- comes off as this impossibly strong, emotionless, lost person. Right. Which is really interesting, but I don't know that the movie was intentionally written that way. Because maybe they were just trying to be like, let's write him in a really cool way. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you accidentally wrote him as really damaged and lost. It could be. Uh, I mean, and Ben Diesel's performance, we see the, the return of one of his, uh, hey, he's got, he's got moves as an actor, and yeah. one of them is the, uh, the very angry yell. Yes. Which is only appears in very, I got no choice! I got no choice! Uh, but yeah, no, he did that again in this movie. I forget the line, but he, I think he does it to Jacob? Yeah. When they're holding guns at each other? Yes. He does it a couple times. Oh, okay. Yeah. The more he does that, the more it's kind of like, eh. I think that Vin Diesel's a a good actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. We both saw Bloodshot. We both saw Bloodshot. He can really sell Bloodshot. And, like, if you're like, oh, he's just doing the Vin Diesel thing. It's nothing more complicated than that. Like, I challenge you, go watch Bloodshot. Yeah. He does not just phone it in. Like, he is thinking about the delivery of every line. Yeah. Like, he's, he, he's an actor. I mean, at the end of the day, Vin Diesel is a classically trained, very skilled actor who definitely has a niche. Yeah. But, like, uh, watch the movie Find Me Guilty, which is a court drama in which he plays a mobster. He's really, really, really good. And if you can't tolerate that, just watch Bloodshot. Just watch Blood... I would over Find Me Guilty. I would definitely recommend Bloodshot. It has way more Vin Diesel getting shot in the face with a shotgun. Which is... We all could stand and watch that. I think at the end of the day... My good friend Jeff put it in this way, and I, I tend to agree with him. It had the the action of Fast Five mm-hmm. with not the heart of Fast Five underneath it. The action pieces were phenomenal. Yes. The, 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 the dynamic between Dom and his brother was really great, but there were kind of this... It was it was buried in all this clutter and all this yeah. all these other missteps that that kind of muddied the water just enough to be like 
I enjoyed watching it. I will watch it again, probably. I will probably watch this, this series again before I die. Yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, because it is really good. And I, I don't think that's going to be marred by like, oh, the last movie. It didn't answer all my questions about how the cars go fast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm wondering. Who, wh- why Mad Queen? <laughs> Mad Queen Dom doesn't how, make any sense. How come there's a smoke monster? <laughs> yeah, so like there's none of that that will ever mar the series. And I will watch it again, including the bad, including Fast 4 or Fast and Furious which has to be one of the weaker ones, including Too Fast and Too Furious, which is the weakest. Uh, we'll get to that later. Don't, don't give too much away now. Spoilers! I think Fast 9 is okay. Okay. I, I think that that's fair. As far as Dom's ultimate sacrifice goes, I think if they're writing the version of this movie... If they're writing the version of this movie where Dom dies, I think they wrote Dom perfectly. <coughs> If they're writing the version of this movie that they did ultimately end up writing, I think that Dom, like, somewhat drowning and having a lucid dream doesn't make a a lot of sense. There was so much power in what was happening. It feels like they're pulling their punch at that moment. It has to be. Because the thing is, if you're making a movie in the current environment, you can't do comedy anymore. No. You can't do... You can't have people die anymore. (laughs) I truly think that that's the case. Like, that's the reason why something like Infinity War was such a big deal. Oh, okay. I think that there was a lot of selling of executives at Marvel Studios, or Disney at that time. Was Marvel already bought by Disney at that point? Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a lot of selling of executives on, no, 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 they're going to come back. Listen, don't freak out. Listen, I know that your brain is that of a four-year-old and you wear a big suit and you make a quarter of a million dollars a year, but they will come back. And I think, I want to believe, Justin Lin wrote Better Luck Tomorrow, which is an incredibly ambitious movie considering in 2002 no one was giving any roles to Asian Americans and this is a movie about the Asian American experience. Uh, I think that Justin Lin is a smart guy, and I think he wrote the version of the movie where Dom's fate is uncertain. Yeah. And I think that you can't make that movie with the... What is it? Universal? Yeah. It is Universal. You cannot go to Universal executives and say that Dom dies because for some reason they have little piss baby brains. Well... (laughs) And they think, oh, if Dom dies, no one gonna see the next movie. Yeah, and, and the director of Universal Studios raises his hands like, so we've got this attraction called the the Fast and Furious Experience or whatever. Yeah, and Dominic Toretto's in the it. Fast and Furious Supercharged. Yeah, and he's in it, and he just died in your movie. No one's gonna want to ride my ride. Yeah. It's it's absolutely true. Yeah. I, I, executives are the dumbest people on earth. I think it's a hard movie to sell. I like to imagine that Justin Lin wrote our version of the movie. Also, this movie, kind of the weakest set piece of the last five or so movies. Let's talk about this final set piece, which was built up like, oh man. What's Fast 4? It's the tunnel race with the CGI cars. That's not great. Fast 5 is the safe. Which is ultimately the creme de la creme. Fast 6 is the world's largest runway where Giselle dies. Yes. 7... I do not remember. 
Eight is the submarine, which is arguably one of the best. By the way, six was seven Ellen. is the is the is the the chopper with Digimon Hansu. Yeah, and that's also cool. that's cool. And also the anime fight, the anime the fight on the top of the parking garage yes. structure. Uh, but Fast Six being the uh, the fight between. Uh, Owen Shaw and the tank going on the highway. I think that the tank really in the highway. Cool. That was really that cool. That was really cool. But I think the ultimate, uh, they're like a paired set of set pieces in this movie, which is the weird bendy truck. Not memorable or cool. I think the magnet thing is cool. Yeah. I don't know if you okay. want to read too much into the magnet thing. It's like a, I don't know, you repel and attract people to your life. Dom has repelled. <laughs> Jacob, but attracted others. The magnet know. thing uh, introduced... There's so much magnet shit in this movie we didn't talk about. The magnet thing introduces a problem that if it's not... If they if their cars are not equipped with this shit in the next movie, I'd be like, hey, what the fuck? I mean, it, they, they're they saying, oh, there's a huge electromagnet. I'm like, oh, you're using a huge electromagnet that has the ability to pull charitably a 1.5 imperial ton vehicle through a shopping center, but doesn't seize your drivetrain? Your pistons are still working? Your wheels are still spinning? Fuck off. You can't direct magnets in that way. You're right. That's not how it works. No, but Magnets it, really get to me. First of all, his, how do they work? It got, <laughs> it got that guy's spoon out of the bowl. It got his spoon out of the bowl. But how the fuck do you drive a car if there's a massive electromagnet all right. in the back? All right. You telling me the force required by burning fossil fuels to move pistons is stronger than the force required to suck a 1.5 ton Audi through a shopping center? Shut up. Let's review the forces. There's the strong force, which is the the bond between electrons. Uh There's the weak force, which is like the things going around the electron. Uh Then there's gravity. You've remembered an amazing amount of your science classes. Faraday cages. Yeah, gravity keeps us on the planet. Then there's the piston force. (laughs) The piston force. The the burning of fossil fuels to pump pistons. Yes, absolutely. And then there's magnetism. Yeah. There's car and then magnetism. Right. Everyone yeah. knows the force generated by pistons. I'm doing little hand signals. <laughs> is much stronger than the magnetic attraction between opposite charged. They're not even charged, but opposite polarity yeah. magnets. I, I definitely feel like they were trying to do like a, a safe heist thing. Like a ve- It was a very ambitious thing. I didn't love the magnets okay. as much as I want to, but it was cool. I thought Bendy Truck was cool. However, the true, the coolest car set piece in this movie was in the jungle. That was, you're right. Yeah. In the beginning of the movie. Yeah. That was the they, coolest one. They put, they put all their eggs on the basket on them. <laughs> yep. And they rolled off and broke. Yeah. No, it's like you want to start in media rest. And so you start with action. And unfortunately, the best set piece was that jungle piece, but you're right. Half of that final set piece was Bendy Truck and Magnets, which yes. was like, look, guys, Deadpool 2 did this whole, like, caravan thing that was really cool, and if you're going to do, like, a thing on a truck these days, you're going to be held up to Marvel standards, and, like, you kind of missed the mark a little bit. I mean, even Fast and Furious has done be- cooler truck stuff. Oh, the most deadliest force above the strong force 
is a trucker with a shotgun. What was... Yes, absolutely. Uh, and below that is a trucker who knows Muay Thai. Yeah. Who was that... What movie was it where they had the guy who was from Ong Bak, who was in the truck, who was doing incredible Muay Thai moves yeah, yeah, on no, Paul no. Walk? Was that Fast 6? I don't remember. It was like the introductory yeah. scene in Fast 6. Incredible yeah. stuff. I don't know if he was in Ong Bak, maybe he was in the raid, but incredible. Really right. cool stuff. Cool truck stuff. Yeah. In a series known for its truck stuff, this truck stuff was pretty low. It was pretty list. weak. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have, look, if if your fan base has been making jokes and you even leak to the press. I'm so mad about this. And, and like tell people, hey, one day we're going to space and you're even like, we're going to film in space. I don't, was that this movie? That was a what? different movie. One, a, a movie coming out soon is like the first scenes shot in actual orbit. Can't or have been this movie. Couldn't have been this one. All right. I'll, I'll back off that. But if you say like, oh, it was inevitable. We go to space. And then your movie phones in the space. Dude, you cannot. You cannot have a Fast and Furious movie that goes to space and have it be a B story. You can't have the space be a B story. Hey, what's you weird? can't show a Pontiac Fiero with a rocket engine and not have the set piece of this be everybody goes to space. Right. Absolutely. It's so frustrating. That's what... The fact that people have wanted this for so long and it was like weirdly hand-waved away as like a Ted and Roman thing. Which, don't get me wrong, I think Ted and Roman are in rare form in this movie. They're really doing good. doing a great job. They're doing way better than fate. But don't give them space. The, the, you call it a B story, but like it's absolutely integral to the A yeah. story because no matter what Probably happens... Probably more important yeah, than no the matter story. what they do in the A story... None of the A story could have happened, and they just could have taken the right. satellite, and they'd be okay. They would be fine. Yeah. Them going to space should have been the main plan. Yes. And yeah. there should be more of them. Remember, but imagine how more power, how much more powerful this movie would be if yeah. their bridge to space, if the Fast and Familia that we knew, their bridge to space was Sean Boswell, Little Bow Wow, and Earl. Yeah. Their bridge is Tokyo Drift. Right. They go to space. Yeah. So much more powerful. Yeah. You could put Jacob in space. They could all go to space. They could all go to space. Dom, listen, the original spec script of this movie, Dom dies, Jacob comes in, they, they all, all go, go to, to space. space. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then they learn to trust Jacob through his leadership in this right. uncertain time. Right. That's They're how like, works. We're gonna We're going to follow this guy who killed Dom. Not really. But, like, who, you know, we're going to blame Dom's death on into space. And it's like, we really have no choice if we don't do this. Cypher gets everything she's ever wanted. Probably at some point, like, Jacob comes close to sacrificing himself. He shows the same love of family that Dom... He just hasn't had the opportunity to. And then people can follow him through 70% of the next movie. And then Dom should back up. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Where's my thoughts? Damn it, I had thoughts. They're gone. Give them back. I can't. No. I stole them. Okay. In a series that hyped up the moment that cars were gonna parachute from a plane. Yes. That was a huge moment. 
Like, oh, they've done everything on the ground. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to tackle the air. Yes. Did they? Was it just two people in a car being parachuted from a plane? No, it was the whole goddamn crew. Yeah. And so now we're stepping up. We're going to take it up a notch. Whole new level. Go into space. How are you not going to take the whole crew? I have no idea. It makes... It doesn't make sense. From a screenwriting standpoint... What a disappointment. No, absolutely. And and for that to be like the, oh, yeah, we went to space, crossed off the bucket list. We got two more of these movies. Then they're over forever. And it's like each of these movies, these recent movies, you keep trying to outdo the next one. Mm-hmm. Submarine was a great car villain. Yes. We got to get in these cars to battle the submarine. The next logical step would be we got to get in these cars to battle the satellite. Where are you going to go now? You've done it. Yeah. That's why we were like collectively. Yeah. You go to hell. You've battled everything on Earth and space. But you've done the Earth. You've done the sky. We got to go underground. The problem is they fucked it up now. Yeah. Because you can't go back to space. No, you can't. Ten or eleven. No. You've done it. It's it's such a miss. And the space like, thing is such a miss to me. That's a miss. Not building an, an evil final crew. Yes. To to fight in Big the last mess. movie. That's another miss. And I am still optimistic for this series, but I'm worried because yeah. now they're referring to these last two movies as a part one and a part two, mm-hmm. and. There have been bad versions of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twilight is a bad, let's split the last movie into two. Yeah. The Hobbit is a bad, let's split this movie into three movies. Uh-huh. The Harry Potter, I've never, I've seen those movies, I don't remember them, I don't know if Deathly Hollow was actually the first example of let's split a last entry into two. And they did it just because that book is so huge. And I think uh-huh. they did it rather okay. There was a Dragon Ball Z fight at some point. Uh, I have a very small, very be- small gripe with that movie in that, like, the whole point of Voldemort being, like, dead is the fact that his body is there. Yeah, and then it, like, goes into ash or whatever. In the it's movie, like, it goes into ash. But, but in the book, it's like, look how small and tiny and weak he but is. But also, right? like, we have his fucking body. We yeah. know he's goddamn dead this time. Yes. True. It, it, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to, uh, when we killed, a, when SEAL Team 6 killed him some of Yeah, or Hitler. Oh, we never got the Hitler body. We never got the Hitler body. Oh. I know somebody who did. <laughs> and I'll never tell. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway. There have been more bad versions of splitting a final entry into two. Yeah. I really wish the narrative that... that And this is Vin Diesel, like the executive producer of the series now. He, he's the one pushing this narrative in the press. I really wish he would go back to just saying, like, these are there are two more movies, not a part one and a part yeah. two. Because I feel like we're going to get... Kind of like the the did you did you watch the Hunger Hunger Game movies? No. Okay. This I read one. the first book in like two hours. Oh, yeah. They split the third book into two movies for no reason. In the first book, literally nothing happens. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I don't want to accuse this series where they keep rising the stakes. I don't want to accuse them of making a movie or thinking of making a movie where nothing happens, but you run the risk. I would maybe make the argument that the the instances we're talking about where things are split into multiple have source material. Right. But if you're not going off of source material, why the fuck would you say it's split into two parts? You could say that all of the Fast and right. Furious movies have been part of one right. eleven part tri- one eleven part series. Yeah, so uh, like, part eleven and part twelve, not who, part one and part two of the finale. Yeah, who the fuck cares? There's no source material. Right. Don't market it that way. I think that's just to say that they're giving themselves room for a cliffhanger. Which, to be honest, these movies should have had a while ago. Honestly, yes. Like, uh, any movie series that's been going for ten sla- for nine slash ten installments should have had a cliffhanger in there somewhere. Should have right. had something uncertain. And, and, like, I'm not begrudging the end of the series, because all things should end. Yes. There should be an ending. And no series of movies has gone twelve entries without being, like, an extended cinematic universe thing yeah. which doesn't really count as a series you really get, start to get fucked up with like samurai movies lone wolf and cub and also like westerns there could be like 25 they're like 25 django movies those were spaghetti westerns they churned them out every month yeah but that's where you really get fucked up like some okay. things some things hold the record for most consecutive things but they weren't written by the same people they were whatever i will amend my statement in the modern day yes. You don't go 12 movies in a series. Although, I, I absolutely believe uh, we would never begrudge, like, if The Mummy did that, we would be on board the oh, entire yeah, time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Brendan Fraser's you The know, Mummy. Yeah, fuck the guy who sexually harassed Brendan Fraser and, like, made him, like, become a recluse. That guy needs to rot in hell. Yeah. Uh, and not be saved by the familiar. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. We're going to hell to save Dom and the guy who sexually harassed the Fraser. In my perfect world, and movies made just for me, like in the scene where they start like leaving hell, the camera pans to the left (laughs) of like the people left, and it's just that guy like being tortured. It's that guy. It's Harvey Weinstein. It's just a bunch of people they want to make a clear statement about. Exactly, and it's like a you know, it's not. It doesn't linger. It's like a ten second like. Yeah. Yeah, fuck these guys. And then he, like, goes back and Don's, like, peeing out the window right. on them. Yeah, he, he's pulling the Calvin sticker, yeah, which absolutely. makes no sense. I have a Calvin sticker on my uh, car, and then it says creeps. <laughs> he's just peeing on the word creeps. Yeah. Weird. Late, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's what I got. Uh, All right. But yes. Um, have I said everything about this movie I wanted to say? I've said a third of the things I want to say about this movie. There's a lot to go over. It's a it's a dense movie, but I think the only reasonable thing we have left to do... I think what we do... This is the initial discussion. This is no notes discussion. Uh-huh. I think right now, on air, we promise to revisit this movie in the future when it comes out on a, on a medium yes. where we can take the time to take notes. This is our first take. So what you're saying is that we're splitting this into a part one and a part two, is what you're saying. I'm not making eye contact with John, and I don't know if my my audio quality is good because I'm facing away. Uh, so we're splitting this into a part one and a part two. No, it's a first take, second take. First take, second take. Understood. I, I would love to be able to watch this movie and pause and research and take notes. Me too. Um... 
Yeah, I, I would be a big fan of, of that because watching this in the theaters, you don't need to take notes on a Hobbs and Shaw, but you need to take notes on a movie like this. I'd love to revisit it. I'd love to get my thoughts again. Maybe when the 10th movie comes out or maybe at some yeah. point in the intervening time between now and then, I would love to take another look at no. this movie. Yeah, so maybe that, but maybe like right before the 10th movie yeah. comes out, we revisit the 9th movie, we do another supplemental reading a uh, uh, part two. I like it. But part two. Uh, Supplementary reading. F9 the Fast Saga part two. I'm not naming this one part one. Okay. You can't. I won't. It seems too clickbaity. <laughs> right. Well, and, actually, and, and, and every clickbait because people will see this part one and no part two and no one will click on it. Everyone knows the one stance here on Zero Credit is we don't do clickbait. We don't do We clickbait. don't do any type of bait. Other than that one time we named an episode, you won't believe what these white men talk about. Wow. Oh, wow. Right. The only thing left to do in this episode, John. Yes. It has been a time-honored tradition that we rank these movies. Now, yes. I, I hear some dissent from you. Yes. And that you want to now rank them from worst to best? I was thinking from worst to best. We did learn that lesson in Hot Godzilla Summer that that might be more enjoyable. However, maybe in keeping with tradition, we rank them still from best to worst. I'm okay with that, because it gets me talking about things I like before I fill my mouth with things I dislike. Yeah, I mean, who wants to be like Fast 4, Fast 6, whatever? Like, who cares? I gotta figure out where I want to put this movie. Uh, while you do that, I'm actually going to go ahead and start delivering my list for this installment of the Zero Credits. Don't look at my fucking list! I won't, I won't. I'm going to uh, deliver my installment of my list for this installment of the Fast and Furious Zero Credit Supplement Reading Series. Um, now, I know that we typically name these. We do. There is a tradition of naming. And uh, I know that I've gotten some feedback that my list needs to be better or have a more dynamic name or that I need to uh, work on my presence when I deliver the name of uh, my list. So I think that... Uh, I would like to call this one uh, John's List, The List Saga. What a fucking stupid piece of shit name, John. You, dude, How long did that one take you? You went up to the brain college and, and you were like, Oh dear smart professors, give me a list name. That's really good. And they were like, no. And then you went to the dirt and got your name props. I only worked on it for two or three hours, so it wasn't that much of a it wasn't that much of a commitment. Okay, give me your list. Uh so oh, coming this is in terrible. <laughs> yeah, we got more corona. More corona lights. Oh, it's so bad. Please kill me. It's real bad. Uh so coming in. At number one with a bullet on a John's The List Saga or whatever it's called is, of course, Fast Five. Uh, the best movie of all the movies we've seen. Fast and Furious, at the very least. Uh, I don't know. No introduction necessary for Fast Five being number one. Number two is, of course, now with the benefit of hindsight, The Fast and The Furious. It's where it all started. I look back on that movie fondly, even though it's problematic and has a trouble word in it. 
Also a bad sandwich. Very bad sandwich. Uh, he loves mayo. Yeah. He loves tuna. He is white. Uh, <laughs> so is mayo. Coming in at number three, unchanged from the last time we checked in, is the last five minutes of Furious 7. Uh, that's right. That tribute to Paul Walker and Vin Diesel uh, going their separate ways at the end of that movie still brings me to tears. Uh there, that is that one song that everyone knows. Still can't listen to that song. It's really tough. It's really affecting. It comes on the radio. It that, does. Oh my god. You gotta change it. Uh, now coming in just below the last five minutes of Furious 7 is F9 The Fast Saga. That's right. Number four on my list is this movie that we spent the better part of the last two hours uh, uh, interrogating. <laughs> Uh, I actually enjoyed this movie quite a lot. I think Justin Lin kind of tends to come in to give these movies a lot of life. Say what you will, in the in the crowded group of movies in the Fast and Furious universe that aren't that good, I think F9 is actually one of the better ones because it's not a great movie, but it really fucking gets it. <laughs> it really gets what we show up to these movies for under Fef9. <laughs> Under F9, I've actually changed up the ordering in my list quite a bit uh, from the last time we talked. Right under F9 is Tokyo Drift, which had a very low placing in my last list, but I'm a big fan of Tokyo Drift. Now seeing Sean Boswell, little Bow Wow. Oh, now you know how his story is. (laughs) Now to know, I don't know, I look back at that movie very fondly, especially having seen Better Luck Tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Tokyo Drift a lot. I appreciate it for what it is now. Under Tokyo Drift, I worried about the placement of these two movies quite a bit, but that's Fate of the Furious. I think Fate of the Furious, for the most part, gets it. Uh, but Fate of the Furious also introduces an antagonist to this series, which is actually very interesting, which right. is Charlize Theron as Cypher. Uh, ultimately did end up coming back and I hope continues to show up in future movies. I like Cypher a lot. There's so many of these movies. Can her hair get better? (laughs) The bowl cut was so dumb. A lot of people knocked the bowl cut as a person who inadvertently rocked the bowl cut his entire young life just because of the shape of his head. I think she wore it better. Than you? Yeah. I think Charlize Theron... The fascinating thing to me about Charlize Theron in this movie is Charlize Theron is, without a doubt, maybe one of the top three most attractive people on Earth. And you give her a weird bowl cut. Why? This is a series where her first appearance, she's wearing dreads. (laughs) Yeah, very, very much white people dreads. They can't nail hair for Charlize. There There are alternative hairstyles for hot women that look weird and are still cool looking, but they have not managed to pick any of those. Under Fate of the Furious, which almost took Fate of the Furious' spot, is Better Luck Tomorrow. That's right, the movie not even in the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, it is. Is strongly in the middle for me. It's very much in the universe. Uh, Under Better Luck Tomorrow, Los Bandoleros, I consider to be the kind of the beginning of the end as far as the good Fast and Furious movies go. Ouch. Uh, I mean, it's good. It's just weird. Uh, Under that is Too Fast, Too Furious. Gotta appreciate for what it is, Ejecto Cito Cuz, followed by what I like to consider Trash Alley. 
Uh, and there's actually a pretty big uh, mix-up in my list going into this installment. Under Too Fast, Too Furious, in the last five it gets interesting. Fast and Furious 6. Okay. Anime Fight was dumb. Uh, Fast and Furious, I cannot abide a movie that is mostly weird, blocky CGI cars. Right. It really gets away from what the series is about. Now, these last three are where it gets pretty interesting. Okay. Coming in at number 10. I'm very confused, yeah. Coming in at number 10, Hobbs and Shaw. Right. I consider Hobbs and Shaw to be one of the worst of these movies. It's a lot of spectacle. I don't particularly remember that movie very fondly, knowing what I know now about The Rock and his ability to work with the actors that I love. Uh, the fact that this movie was necessitated at all is kind of a bummer. Right. And I don't know that I love the character Pops. Love Deckard Shaw, by the way. Shaw's Ooh. amazing. Shaw's great. And then got... Fate of the Furious. Yeah. Shaw's the best part of that movie. Deckard Shaw and Jason Statham, great. Uh, Olympic uh, swimmer, Jason Statham. Did you know he that? He was a diver, I think. Diver, yes. Diver. Yeah, he was a diver. The prison fight in Fate of the Furious was like... I don't care the ethnicity of the chef, really. Chef Kiss. Yes. Magnif- a racial a racial chef kiss. Yeah. With a generic statement of good food. <laughs> yes, good food. That's a good a food, one might say. <laughs> uh no, I, I totally get seeing the prison escape Hobbs and Shaw moment in Fate of the Furious. You would green light a movie on the spot. The fact that and I, I think that Hobbs and Shaw really kind of And they did. They did. They certainly did. They dropped the ball as far as the dynamic right. goes. I really liked yeah. the strong guy versus guileful dagger guy thing. Yeah. And then they kind of dropped I the like ball. I like Vanessa Kirby. I like Vanessa Kirby too. Mainly. Mainly because I like Kirby. Uh huh. And secondly, because you like Vanessa. No, um, I don't care for Vanessa. Now, the final two movies in my list, the worst, definitively, yeah. objectively. The scum of the earth. The second worst film in this franchise is, of course, the turbocharged pre-sequel wow. to Too Fast, Too Furious, dethroned in its position as worst film on the list. And uh, now I'll say, yes, uh, this is going to be a real statement for whatever is last. <laughs> the Turbo Church pre-sequel to Too Fast Too Furious, true garbage as uh, experience, no good, bad for, as a music video. Yeah, bad uh, as everything. Worse as a movie. However, the worst film in this franchise, I can... I've reached a certain point of, let's call it fame, that I can make statement choices, and I would like to make a definitive statement and say that the worst movie in this entire franchise is, of course, Furious 7, because you don't bring people back to life. <laughs> you, listen, if you're gonna cast Paul Walker oh, as his brother, man. cast him as his brother. Don't fool us and do a weird right. deep fake. I've turned from being mildly disgusted okay. from deep faking actors to being strongly opposed to it. I really, really don't like it, even though the last five minutes of that movie are a, a very strong contender for best sequence in this franchise. I don't like Furious 7. I don't think it has a lot of very good things yeah. going on. The Jason Statham anime fight is bad. Yeah. However, actually, 
Furious 7 does have one of my favorite moments of the entire franchise when Dom tells Letty that you can't tell people they love you. Right. I might have to rethink this list, but purely on, Hansu. purely on the... Oh, I do love Digimon Hansu. He's in Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah, I need to watch it. I I'm need going to, to watch it. I need to rethink Furious 7's place. However, and, for now, I'm making yeah. a statement that you don't deepfake people. Learn yeah. from F9, the Fast Saga. Don't do that shit. Yeah, learn from the scathing ranking of the Fast and Furious movies. Yes, this is what everyone's listening to, is our yeah. ranking of these movies. We are the tastemakers. Uh-huh. And speaking of taste, this tastes terrible. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I think... I think I'm I'm so deep into familiar that it doesn't matter. And speaking of being deep, John, it's time to get deep for my list, which has always been titled Henry's Fast Car List. <laughs> yes, always in the entirety of the franchise. Every episode. I've Everyone. never done fake air horns. I've never leaned on crutches. No one's ever asked you to change the name of it before. Yeah, no. And honestly, no one's ever put those words together. Fast car list. Uh-huh. I don't think on this podcast, for one, you've yeah. never put those words together. No one, I don't think, no. has ever done that. Number one on my list with a bullet, and until it gets dethroned, will always be there. Fast five. Yep. Wait, hold on. I want to be clear. There was a precedent set that whenever we agree on a placement, we must shake hands. Oh, yes. That's right. Shake hands. Oh, we're going to do that a few more times. Um, but Fast Five might be the one of the best action movies ever yes. made. Yes. It's just so good. And I know Rick and Morty had that episode where they make fun of heist movies, but fuck off. Fuck off, Dan Harmon. <laughs> that sequence where the team gets together, it's just... It's neurons firing off. It's so good. All right. Uh, number two on my list, I, co- of course, shake hands. Shake hands. The Fast and the Furious. It is... You gotta pay respects to where we came from. You Remember? They were boosting combination TVs... VCRs in the first movie. I don't know that there's any movie that's more of a distinct relic of the past than The Fast and the Furious. Uh, Number three on my list, Shake Hands. The last five minutes of Furious 7. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful send-off. I honestly cannot listen to that song without feeling those emotions... And it could be because that's the movie we saw at that drive-in. And we were surrounded by people for the first time, for me, in one of these movies where, like, everything comes home. Whew. It's just, it's a powerful experience. We were just in a, we were just in a hot field with a bunch of people feeling their feelings. Right. And this is where we start to deviate. Because number four on my list is Better Luck Tomorrow. Oh, interesting. It's a really good film. I totally... I mean, I don't agree in such that I would change my list, but I would totally see putting it there because it's very good. It's a really good film. I really like the awkward coming-of-age story that is a slice-of-life experience for an experience I didn't get to experience because of my upbringing. Yes. And, like, that's what that movie is. It's so good. It's so very well done. And it's a great introduction to Han Solo, who has a different last name in that, that movie, I thought. It's, uh, so Han Solo in Tokyo Drift was, yeah. uh... Is that a nom de plume? A nom de plume. His name's actually Han Lu, and he's okay. credited as, as such in future movies, I believe. Now, here's the thing. 
I did some tooling around while you were do, doing your list. Number five on my list is F9 The Fast Saga. Okay, so one down from my placement. It is, in all forms, very enjoyable. Yes. For all the grinding I did, it's only because I want these movies to be the best they can be. Mm-hmm. And I can target the areas. I can zoom in on them. And say, here's where you could have done better. Mm-hmm. That's not the fault of film. That's just me overthinking the film. And so on its own, it's really good. Uh, number six on my list is Fate of the Furious. I don't know why. Number six? Yeah. Hold on. Uh, handshake. Oh, Bring yeah. on the placement at number six. All right. I really like Fate of the Furious. I've been re- trying to... Th- so we re- Okay, small aside. We recently re- re-watched it, and I tried to watch it from the lens of the side characters, and they're really just reacting that whole film, and it feels bad for them. But for the Dom of it all... Yes. Fate of the Furious is the most Dom-centric movie. Right. It does a lot of good work with him and exploring his conflictions, and then... then, then then them coming in at the end and shielding them with their cars, accepting him, despite despite all his flaws. They didn't get a chance to talk to him before mm-hmm. doing that. That's just like, no matter... And that's the core root of the family you choose, or the family you're stuck with. No matter how bad you do, your family's there. I mean, if nothing else, these movies are about unconditional love. Right. Now here's... We differ a lot here, because I have number seven, Hobbs and Shaw. Really that high on the list? This is one I might need to rethink later. Because of the feud and because this movie only exists because of irreconcilable? Yes. Irreconcilable differences between Dwayne Johnson and Ben Diesel. That makes me sad on a level that hurts. Like, mm-hmm. And the fact that Dwayne Johnson wasn't in this film... When really maybe they, he couldn't have been because, like, I feel like any sort of soundstage that has Vin Diesel, John Cena, and Dwayne Johnson on it, I don't know if they can support all that muscle. I mean, the tough thing is, like, anyone in the cast and crew at that point is, at that point, cruising on the highest cycle of testosterone. Like, right. around those people, they suddenly become on steroids. And, and every lens is a wide lens just because you can't fit all those muscles on the frame. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So maybe it's a good thing he's in it. I don't know. I really liked... I like Idris Elba. I like Ryan Reynolds. I like... Decker oh, Ryan Shaw. Reynolds was in that movie. It, that movie is a hell of a Kevin Hart movie. <laughs> it's a hell of a Kevin Hart movie. No, it's got a lot of elements I like. And then, of course, it has Kevin Hart, which maybe that alone, it should be lower on this list. <laughs> I like that we as a podcast just like... I will say, in Hobbs and Shaw's defense, it is one of the movies that most nakedly asserts the universal power of family. Yeah. Because it's it's not the familia. No. It is, it is uh, Hobbes' family that right. makes it happen. Yeah. Like, it, it takes it back to uh, brass tacks, back to the roots, back to the family. Right. The cars aren't important. It's just the family. It's just the family. Number eight on my list is Tokyo Drift. Okay. Um, 
I was not moved at all by seeing John <laughs> Boswell. Wow, what a shit. His was teeth so, got bigger. Did you I see was, that? His teeth were it's bigger. because his whole body got smaller. He lost a lot of weight. I okay, was so that. moved by Sean Boswell. The fact that they take the the orphan stepson of this franchise, uh, like, no, 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 come out into the light. I do like that he finally found his niche. Yes. He's not a car person. He's a rocket engine guy. Clearly, That's, you and I like different animes. Yeah, <laughs> I like the animes. I can't finish that sentence out loud. Sean Boswell is on the Mugen train. <laughs> oh, I like that one. All right, uh, number nine for me is Los Bandoleros. I don't really have a reasoning for this. I think it's just better than everything else that's left on, left on the list. Okay. Uh, I've got number ten, Fast Six. Handshake? That's a handshake. Um, at this point, these are just words on a list. <laughs> I mean, Fast Six was fine. It sucked, though. Was that Owen? Owen Shaw. I really... I had high hopes for the bad familia. It, yeah. The Mal Familia. <laughs> Mal Familia. Uh, number 11 on my list is Furious 7. Okay. It's better than the last ones on this list. Okay. I don't agree, but right. as a statement. Uh, number 12 is the Turbocharged pre-sequel. And you might be thinking, not second to last? Because I've redone my entire, my entire criteria for this. I mean, I'm... I might have a guess as to what your worst film is. You might. Uh, second to last, and this this is Fast and Furious, and this is the new criteria. You use god-awful fake cars in your car movie, you deserve to be next to the cardinal worst thing on the entire series. Fast 9 was saved by the fact that they had real high-stakes real car shit. Yeah. Fat- the fourth one was just all CGI No, you cars. could just tell. It looked like PlayStation graphics. Yeah, it was real bad. It looked like Hot Wheels. It looked, it looked like, Hot like Wheels. specifically the Pocket Racer minigame. Yeah. In Yakuza 0. Everyone knows it. And Kiwami. Everyone and knows Kiwami it. Kiwami 2. These are things Also, that- it's a bullshit because the 2005... King of Speed tournament, the last one you enter, it's a lot of random number generator bullshit. You just want to win so you can get the Godspeed motor so you can beat Majima everywhere. These are facts that everyone learns in grade school, Jim. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Uh, Just like everyone knows, the canonical worst movie in this entire series, number 14. Teen with a clip. Is that like a bunch of bullets? A clip? Typically it's referred to as a magazine. Oh, what's a clip? Well, a lot of people start to conflate clip and magazine. Yeah. Clip is specifically something that you insert at a 45 uh, degree angle 40 clip foot. into it and then remove. So something like an, oh, oh, like oh, an yeah. M1 Garand... Because it has bullets in it. You clip it. You push the bullets into the tube. You remove the clip. A magazine, typically, is the like the metal thing that holds all the bullets. Right, right. That you go slip into it. Yeah. This is a conservative John Corner. <laughs> all right. So, number 14 with a full magazine of bullets. I wanted to be the correct. I wanted to be the correct. <laughs> yes. Too fast, too furious. Yep. Why did they go to Miami? When you die, you will go to hell. Why Why did they jump a boat onto a plane? You That's are not a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit, and when you die, you will rest in piss. Look, when they bring that guy back, 
as the big bad end game of number 11? Because remember what he said when he got out of prison. Yes. He was coming after them. Yes. When they bring him back in, in 11, I will amend my list. Okay. If that happens, I look forward to it. Here's a concession. They bring Eva Mendez back, I will amend my list. <laughs> if they bring anyone from Too Fast, Too Furious. Besides Roman Pierce, who already came back. Yes, absolutely. And uh, they can't bring Brian Walker back, because rest in peace, Brian rest Walker. Rest in peace. Also, they can't bring the director back, John Singleton, because rest in peace, John Singleton. Rest in peace, John Singleton. Great, by the way, uh, director. Uh, I don't know. Uh, one of the greatest, like, early, early-ish, early 90s African-American filmmakers. John Singleton, great. Oh, now I feel bad. Don't worry about it. It's at the bottom of the list. You've made the choice. Oh, man. I feel bad. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's it. My only other segment left. Who do we want to see come back? We've done it all, John. We brought At this Han point, back. everybody's coming we back. We brought Bow Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We've brought Chad Moss back. Uh-huh. Um, I want to see a Justice for Giselle. Absolutely. I was If we, we can bring Han back. We brought back Gal Gadot for a flashback. Yeah. So Gal Gadot She's on board. Drew a paycheck. Yeah, she's on board. I think that there are worse things to come back from than being shot in the shoulder slash heart area. Right. She she absolutely should come back. And then number two with a bullet should come back. That's a poor phrasing. Uh, Ava Mendez. Ava Mendez. Should come back. Should definitely come back. I agree, I agree with you. If you're gonna do these convoluted little roads to bring Han back, and Sean Boswell and Shad Moss and Earl are in Germany, uh-huh. and you're gonna do a... Well, I, I don't begrudge them this, but if you're gonna put the, the, the Dominicans and the, uh, the flashback, which absolutely I applaud... You can make some concessions and bring Godot and Mendez back. Yes, I think that that's definitely true. Yeah. I So I have some similar suggestions. All right. The first one that I really want to be brought back is Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. Specifically okay. for this all-female Fast and Furious movie that, that people are apparently talking about could be oh. a possibility. I would love Gal Gadot That's and Vanessa Kirby to come back. Yeah. And then join uh, whoever plays Ramsey plus uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Natalie, Natalie Emanuel. Sure. Yeah. That's Ramsey. Natalie Emanuel, Michelle Rodriguez, Ronda Rousey coming back from Fast Ava Six Mendes. or whatever. Ava Mendez. because everyone comes back. I'm on board with this. Yes. It might just be a rumor. I think it's probably just a rumor. If it's just a rumor, that's fine. I'm still on board with it. I would watch it. What would you... I don't want to... Don't use the word female or yeah, don't femme. Use, don't use... I mean, just call it something different. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want it to be Fast and Furious. I females. mean, you know what I want to call it. What I want to call it? Birds of Prey or ah. the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Letty Ortega. Uh, <laughs> she has to be the central character. I don't think her last name's Ortega. Letty. I don't think it's Ortega. It's really not worth. It's not worth a look up. Letty Letty Ortiz. Ortiz! Ortiz. We were very close. Uh, First three letters, we were right. Right. Um, So I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, The only other area of business we need to address, there there have been rumors on Twitter 
the universal executives have floated the idea. So this is just a yay or nay. Are we on board with a Jurassic Park Fast and Furious crossover? Am I on board? Categorically, no. Same. I feel like it's very silly. I, uh, you would be hard-pressed, everyone says this, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who likes Jurassic Park more than I do. Yeah. I think the original Jurassic Park is essentially a perfect movie. I've probably seen that movie over a hundred times. It has no good sequels. Can Uh, we say that? Yeah. It has no good sequels. The closest one is The Lost World, and that's a really bad movie. None of them are good. But no, I, I, I totally think that uh, Jurassic Park is basically a perfect movie. There are no good sequels. Uh, Jurassic World, both Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I would contend, are not very good movies that I did not enjoy very much yeah. at all. Uh, I didn't even see the latest one because I didn't like the... the I, don't, I don't think the there's mo- any... Yeah. Why would you combine these things? Why would you combine like a legacy it would, franchise yeah. from the 90s plus something about cars? Pointless. I know it's no. rumors... Don't do it. Don't do it. It would be spectacle for spectacle's sake. Totally, they're all over the place. Yeah, like, it would be the worst thing. It's the the suggestion of the rumor is missing the point of Fast and the Furious. It's but the the problem is they would be doing the same thing they do every time yeah. when they made Alien versus Predator. They missed they the just point. combined two things that were from outer space. I'm like Alien and Predator have two vastly different theses. Right. And then when they did Freddy versus Jason, Freddy and Jason have vastly different theses. Yeah. Like don't combine movies that mean totally different things. That's like doing Mario versus Sonic at the Olympics because it makes no sense. Well, I mean that's the exception that proves the rule. Of course, we know that Mario and Sonic at the Olympics is a, a genius, what? a masterpiece. <laughs> Sonic can run at the speed of sound, and he's going to be in a foot race against the fattest Italian plumber you can find. Can I make an argument? Yeah. When Mario jumps, he goes. <laughs> what does Sonic do when Jesse goes Wing! <laughs> but Mario these sound effects are great let's commit them to posterity yes alright Mario can jump three times each one at a yeah, different height I know Sonic has a homing attack yeah whatever okay so that's a no yeah, definite no. I, yeah. I love Jurassic Park and I love Fast and Furious. And I hate I, the rumor. It, it would make me nothing but upset if that happened. It misses the entire point of both of those films, which I guess means it's 100%. Yeah, unfortunately. It's going to happen. Yeah, if it, if it, if a meets film totally misses the point, that means the yeah. executives will be like, that seems like a good idea. Oh, the Jesses met the Flintstones. <laughs> it's so dumb. All right. We're out of here. We're done. We're done. We're done. Here's how you can you can contact us. You want to get us... At- Wait, real quick. How problematic was this movie? Oh! We've only done this for some oh. of them. I'm actually going to say... It's not that problematic. Yeah. Probably like medium problematic. Okay, two scenes, two butt scenes. Not really... Are butts clad in dresses butts? Yeah, there's still butts under the dresses. I don't know if you've looked. (laughs) I've never looked. I don't want to know. I gotcha. All right, so two 
at least two scenes that treat women more as objects than as women, especially dialogue addressed like, you want any of these women that are on payroll? Take five. Yeah. That shit don't fly. Yeah. Um, so I would say lowercase p problematic. I'm not, I'm gonna say this is like lowercase, maybe like six point font problematic. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't call this movie problematic. Right. I call it problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we there's no transphobia, no f word, no egregious butts. Women, for the most right. part, aren't treated like objects except by people who we want to hate. Right. So these movies are learning slowly over time. We're still fighting the male gaze at every turn because yeah. cameras they're so strong. They're swinging them dicks around. Yeah. Yeah. Why do they keep putting dicks on cameras? <laughs> I don't understand. But the male gaze are so strong. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that segment. Thanks for bringing it up. All right, here we got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, um, give us your thoughts on this movie, on any movie. Get at us on Twitter. We're on Twitter, twitter.com, zcpcwhj. Normally I would throw it to John, but we got to get out. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, we're also, we got, you got an email. If you got an email, we got an email. Send us an email to email at zerocredits.net. And uh, we will reply in kind with pictures of our responses. We will handwrite the responses and take pictures and send them to you. Not binding. Okay, John won't do that. Neither will I. So this is why did I say it? We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other places. But on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review us. Tell people. In a review, how good we are about talking about these Fast and Furious movies, because that's all we do. It's all we do. But the most important thing you can do for us, uh, just tell a friend, hey, you saw that F9 movie? You want to know what other people think about it? Come to us. We're the experts. We've seen them all. I saw a thing on Twitter the other day. We got tagged in it by a fan. A fam. That's like somebody was like, I think I'm going to watch all the Fast and Furious movies for the first time and write up about them. And, and they were like, you guys were ahead of your time. We absolutely are. We're on the cusp. We're on the cutting edge of this shit. Tell your friends. Listen to us. We know what's going on. Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And from everyone at the Zero Credits Two seats, two doors, one turbocharged engine, and 700 tons of American muscle. We would like to wish you a happy ejectocito, cuz. You heard of a 10-second car? This is a two-second car. Someone gifted me a 10-second car once, and I'd like to do the same for you. I went to school in Japan. Goodbye, John Cena. <laughs> Ba ba da ba. <laughs> you can't see me. Oh. I'm John Cena. Oh no, it's the Undertaker. I'm a Rocket Scientist. Bye, bro. Permission, y'all. <laughs>